and Sarullah community presents you once again the true light. As the Prophet has said, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. The program presents you with the answer to all the questions from the beginning of time all the way until Judgment Day. The hourglass is almost empty. So come in here the dynamic teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Juali, Martha Slavi, Clarence 13X, and all those who sent to Asia, the lost but now found sheep in the wilderness of North America. Come listen and question the man of the hour, Asher Isa and Hadi al نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله والي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that he is alone and has no partner. And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the guide. And on the Mujaddid, the Reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And now, the true light featuring a Sheikh Isa al Hadi al Mahdi. Assalamu alaikum. Being an ex-follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I would like to know, was my brother a true Muslim or the teachings that he was being taught were they tampered with? Here's the reality of it. When you and I say true Muslim, we got to be very careful that we're not using a measuring rod established by some red or pale Arab from Saudi or Egypt developed as to what a Muslim is. Because that's what they're doing. See, when a so-called Sunni Muslim makes this measuring rod, he uses the word mainstream Islam. Ansars are not in mainstream Islam. Farrakhan is not in mainstream Islam. By mainstream Islam, they mean that me and Minister Louis Farrakhan did not allow anyone to come in and inject their thoughts directly into my mainstream and go directly to my head without question or doubt or reason. These Sunni Muslims are American Negroes converting to a religion being given to them by Red Arabs and they don't have the right to even question it because the Quran says the scripture has no doubt in it. So if they have anything that they question, for instance, I want to ask you a question. Do you pray? Ask a Sunni Muslim, does he? Pray in the direction of the black stone. He'll say, yes, that's idol worship. Then he might say, well, I don't worship it. Then say, that's adoration. And that's salutation. And the word for salutation in the Quran is salli, which is the word salat. You follow? So they do worship the black stone, which is not black, by the way, but brown. So in the Arabic language, when Allah calls it in the Quran, Hajjwatul Aswad, 
the black stone, he's really referring to something brown. So again, when a Sunni Muslim says, well, you're not really black, you're brown, he's making a mistake because according to Allah, <laughs> the color black is brown if he calls a black stone, which is in actuality a brown stone, because I've seen it with my own eyes in Mecca, black, Allah's idea of black is brown. And then the color for brown in Arabic, bunni, comes from the word benaf, meaning my children. <laughs> you see, in Arabic. You see the trick? So now the point I'm trying to make is, when they ask, is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, or was the late Honorable Elijah Muhammad, a kufr as Bilal Phillips and Siraj Wahaj and other brainwashed Orthodox Sunni Muslims put it, what they're not doing is they're not consulting the Quran for the definition of Muslim. You know what they're doing? They're consulting the Hadith and the interpretations of men. Let's consult the words of Allah for Muslims and see what it is by the Qur'an, and we'll find it in Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, Surah Al-Baqarah is known to be what chapter of the Holy Qur'an? The second chapter of the Holy Qur'an, and it's the largest chapter in the Holy Qur'an, right? Let's see what this Surah Al-Baqarah has to say about what a Muslim is. Then we're no longer dealing with men, we're dealing with Allah. The name Surah Al-Baqarah comes from the word Sahafa. That's the first thing. And this is what he says about a Muslim. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. In all things, in the illustrious name of Allah, the yielder, the most merciful. Alif, Lam, Mim. Adam, Laylatul Qadri, Muhammad. That's what these letters symbolize. From Adam, the night of power when all the scriptures came down to the prophet and Mim Muhammad. And Islam means, and he starts with the chapter. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ This text has no doubt in it. It is a guidance to those who are taqwa, who have fear and tremble at the words of Allah. Whether they are the Torah or the Injil or whatever book. They fear the Almighty's word. Now, what does it say? The third verse. Those who are faithful by way of the unseen, right? And they exalt prayer. And of the things we provided them with, they offer freely. Arabi Elijah Muhammad believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he didn't interpret him as just a man the way people say. That's not what's happening on Article 12 on the back of any Muhammad speech. On the back of any Muhammad speech under Section 12, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad referred to Master Farah Muhammad as the Mahdi and the Messiah. Correct? Indeed. Then he said Allah came in the personage of. Allah himself says in the Quran, I breathed into man of my soul, Ruhi, and man became, Al-Insamsara, what? A living being. So every man has the personage of Allah in him, insofar as the breath of life that came from Allah is inside every man. The men who are most learned in Al-Islam, they call Mawlana, having its root word in Alama, one of Allah's name, Al-Alim, the knowing. You understand what I'm saying? So every man that is endowed with a certain amount of knowledge who's called Mawlana or Mu'allim, 
has taken a portion of Allah's name, Al-Alim. Al-Alim never implied that Master Fraud Muhammad was the unseen creator. Here's what he says. Who is Allah? Right? The Asiatic black man, maker, owner, queen of the planet Earth, father of civilization, and God of the universe. So what he was saying is, because Allah had put his spirit into every black man, all black men were God. That's throughout his writings, and it's very clear. And that one from amongst them was a supreme being. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad stressed that being, like the dictionary, meant a mortal or physical thing. He called Farad a supreme being, meant that he was the most intelligent being that he had ever met. That's how the Honorable Elijah Muhammad put it. Now, however, the Orthodox Muslims want to mistranslate it and slander and alter it, that's their prerogative. But if you read the message to the black man and the writings of Allah Elijah Muhammad, that's not what he said. He called him the Mahdi and the Messiah. And there are Muslims all over the world, in different parts of the world, that have declared men the Mahdi and have declared men the Messiah. The Saudi Arabians, on the other hand, the Wahhabi sect that are now buying out everybody, haven't had their Messiah yet or their Mahdi, so as far as they're concerned, they are the only ones that are right and they're mainstream. And anybody who does not go along with their interpretations of Islam has to be kufr or Satan or some other name that the Sunnis belt out against other black leaders, almost always black leaders. Because when Ahmed Didat from South Africa, an Indian brother, did a whole thing, a whole book and live video on the number 19 that he extracted from Rashad Khalifa, an Egyptian brother, all the Sunnis was with him. Then a couple of Saudi Arabians came up and said, the number 19 is not authentic, but they didn't never debate against it, they just said it. Never has an Arab who speaks Arabic debated against the number 19. Bilal Phillips did it, some Canadian Negro. Pakistanians are doing it. No Egyptian has ever went up against them whose native tongue is Arabic. No Sudanese has ever went up against it whose native tongue is Arabic. No Saudian has ever went up whose native tongue is Arabic. It's always converts to Islam who are versing the number 19. But this man, Ahmed Dida, who the Sunnis are now exulting because of his videotapes of arguing with Jimmy Swagger, etc., he supported the number 19, and now he retracts that as if it never happened. He is a part of mainstream Islam. You see what I'm saying? They select what mainstream means, and they select what's right and what's wrong. The point I'm trying to make by this verse is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did believe in an unseen deity. But when he spoke about Master Prophet Muhammad, he was giving him a Christ-like image, and like a Christian would, the Christ-like image is God incarnate. Muslims pretend they disagree with this, until you enter into the covers of the Quran and investigate the life of Jesus compared to any other prophet. Is any other prophet in the Quran called El-Masih, the Messiah? Yes or no? Yes. Who? Uh, he said, uh, Israel? Indeed. And then they say that the Jews call Israel a Messiah, not Allah. Nowhere in the Torah or El Injil, or Zabor, will you ever find the prophet Israel being called a Messiah by the Jews? Nowhere. It's not there. You follow that? I follow. Next, Allah calls Jesus in the Quran the Messiah, son of Mary. 
Now, being the word El Messiah, according to Orthodox Sunni Muslims, existed in the Torah before the Quran. And because they're not smart enough to know that Arabic and Syriac is the same language, they think the Torah was Hebrew and the Quran is Arabic, we have to go back to the Torah language that they believe in, which is Hebrew for the definition of Messiah, which is in Hebrew, El Meshech, an anointed being, a supernatural being. You follow that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does know the definition. Now, Allah refers to Jesus in the Quran as Ruhu. He gave him a Ruhi. He says, Ruhi. I sent him a Ruhi, my soul. Name in Al Islam is Ruhu Allah. Allah's soul. Muhammad is never called that. It says, and in Islam they support their hadith, that Rasulullah died. He died at a certain age, and they have his remains in the city of Medina, in a tomb that Sunni Muslims go to and make a dua to Muhammad doing Hajj, which that cannot be found in the Quran, by the way. They innovated that into it, but they do it anyway. So, Muhammad's remains is on earth. The Quran tells us that Allah took Rafa'ah, took Jesus what? Rafa'ahu ilayhi, up to himself. The Quran further says, don't say people who die in my path are dead. They live on. So according to that Quran, Jesus, son of Mary, is still alive with Allah in heaven. It doesn't say that about Muhammad. You see what I'm saying? I follow. So their idea of mainstream Islam is innovations of hadith and traditions of men. Fabricated stories. It can't be substantiated by the text of the Quran, but can be backed up further by other hadith. For instance, they say, well, any Muslim knows that the Prophet Muhammad said the two things that Allah left were the Quran and his sunnah. Yeah, they throw it at you. But you don't never stop to say, wait a minute, is that in the Quran like that? No, that in itself is a hadith. So they're actually using a hadith to support a hadith. <laughs> And they turn at you and Ansar and say, the writings of Muhammad says that he left two things, the Quran and the Sunnah. I don't deny that he might have said that, but that is a hadith supporting a hadith. When are they going to realize the words of Allah are more important than the words of men? So, as far as Anwilaj Muhammad believing in Master Fra Muhammad as being a spirit God, or being likened to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the boundless universe, nowhere in his doctrine does he say that. Who is the original man, Asiatic black man, maker, owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, and God of the universe. All of those things are physical things. And that we are. Because Allah said in the Quran, that He created me and you as Khalifa fil Arda, as His successor on earth, the caretaker of the earth. So we are the maker, the owner. We are not the creator. Allah is Al Khaliku. When we do make things from things He created, we do own the planet because He gave it to us. We are the cream in the planet because we are the original black people. We are the father of civilization because we had civilizations in ancient Nubia before the white man was up in the mountains eating flesh raw and crawling on all fours. And his half-breed uh, Arab brothers was with him in their blood. So then we are gods. We are gods. Didn't it say in the books of Psalms, didn't you say, did I not say you are God? You're just not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> you're not Allah, but you're a God compared to every other being on earth. Compared to every other race of people on earth, you are a God. But you're not Allah. <laughs> you see? That's what he would make him a mistake. There's a difference between God and Allah. 
A rock cannot be turned into a female. God can have goddesses. Allah has no partners. So when they say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, they've just binded partners with Allah. Whenever you say Allah, he's alone. Then if you want to say, Wa and Muhammad, it is a possible you can. But you don't do it. Otherwise, you're, you're uh, shirk. You're guilty of binding partners. Think about it before you respond. Now he goes on to another verse and says, This person upkeeps prayer. The honorable Elijah Muhammad taught his followers to pray. Yes or no? They may not have agreed with the way the mainstream of Islam, Orthodox Sunni Muslims got their interpretation out of Hadith to do it. But according to the Quran, 90% of the things that Sunni Muslims are doing in their prayer are not in the Quran. Ask the Sunni Muslim to show you anywhere in the Quran where Allah says, stick your finger in your ear three times. Ask the Sunni Muslim anywhere in the Quran to show you where Allah says, stick your finger up in Tashahud and go at Tahiyatu. Ask him to show you these things. He can show you bowing in the Quran. He can show you prostration in the Quran. He can show you wudu in the Quran. But he cannot show you a lot of little things. Ask him to show you anywhere in the Quran where it says Allah to turn your head to the right and speak to one angel and turn your head to the left and speak to another angel. They're so ridiculous about these traditions. You know what they say about the pictures of the wall? Angels will not go into a house where there are pictures or dogs. Is that correct? Is that not what the Sunnis teach? Yes, they do. Do you realize that when Siraj Wahaj and them got arrested and had to go into the court building with all them pictures, their angels got lost in Manhattan? It's because when they got taken into the court building where there's nothing but images and idols, their angels had to stay outside on the steps of the court building because they don't enter in there, these fools believe. What ridiculousness. What stupidity to teach children. And I'm not going to teach that garbage to my children. So they can start believing in Batman and Superman when the white man introduces more fiction and fantasy. It makes us gobble it up. Truth is truth. I'm going to teach what the Quran says and not what a bunch of men have created because they don't want to recognize the return of the Messiah Jesus in the world. So they fabricate a bunch of garbage so that they can create their own religion. So many Muslims better wake up and accept the fact that the Quran is saying that Jesus is coming as a sign of the end of the world. And if the hadith they believe in says that Jesus was to stand in the physical form at the end of the world. They're trying to evade that. Those are devils who stepped in after the Prophet Muhammad and changed his religion because he followed Millah Ibrahim al-Hanif and he followed the religion of Abraham in the Holy Quran, the second chapter of 130th verse. They have changed it and fabricated a whole new religion, call it Sunnism, Shiaism, and basically Muhammadism. They'll deny it. They worship the black stone, they kiss it, they worship the Kaaba, and the most stupid thing on man following that stupidity is they teach them that the black stone came down from heaven white. And when men kissed it, it turned black. Am I right? Indeed. That's what they teach. And they teach me, a black man, through the knees, <laughs> that the black stone was once white and is black because of sin. He's trying to tell me I represent sin. And any black man that sits there and listens to that has to be crazy. Am I right? Then they tell me <laughs> that the black stone was brought down from heaven by an angel. And I asked them, are there rocks in heaven? Angels are carrying rocks, so the angels are physical. And they tell me that the devil can't be physical, yet they go to Mecca and pick up 21 stones and throw them at three different rocks, seven apiece. <laughs> And those rocks 
I will not teach that garbage to my sons and daughters. I will not teach that garbage to your sons and daughters. You understand what I'm saying? Indeed. And for Sunni Muslims want to believe that stuff and thus say the Amr Elijah Muhammad or Imam Isa or, or Nobu Juali or any of us are not mainstream Islam. I am not injecting white supremacy into my veins or into the veins of my son, which is mainstreaming. You understand? So when them Arabs are telling them to be in mainstream Islam, they're talking about boosting a bunch of poison right to your brain. And one of them poisonous thoughts is that the black stone is black because some sins are in it, which means sin is black and you're synonymous with that. Or I ask them all the time, and I tell you to ask them, name three red or pale Arabs you know named Bilal. Why don't they name their kids Bilal? Why do they avoid Bilal's name? They name him everything but Bilal. Why? Because whenever they talk about Bilal, they call him a black Ethiopian slave. Even though he has been out of slavery, according to them, by Abu Bakr Sadiq, Aisha's father brought him into his freedom. Whenever Orthodox Sunni Muslims talk about him, they still refer to him as an Ethiopian slave. And then got the nerve to tell me that they're not racist. And call me racist because I say Adam was created a black man. That's racism. Because Allah made us from a single male and female. Yeah, but what color was that single male and female? Because somebody's going to get cheated out of this conversation. Because you say Allah created us from a single male and female. That's two people. Yes? Now, how many races do you all identify? Black, brown, red, yellow, and black. So which two are in this? <laughs> which two are the single male and female? Are they two black? Are they black and white? Are they black and brown? Are they black and red? Are they yellow and white? Which two is he talking about? Oh, they're both of the same race. And they both were created from the same source. What was it called? Talk to me. It was called Ham and Sassalin, black mud in the Quran. And that includes Latinos, Cubans, Dominican, Panamanians, Japanese, Malaysian, Indonesian, Vietnamese. All of us are one black family. He may have got into our blood and messed around a little bit here, but ain't nobody in this country as nappy as your head, as dark as you think you are. You ain't no blacker than any Latino brother you meet on the street. Is that true? But is that true? But as one family, we're powerful. Divided, we're nothing. And I will not let them divide me from Minister Louis Farrakhan and stick me under the umbrella of some multi-billionaire Arab so he can poison my soul. Because my belief is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Quran first. And I accept all of his prophets. And I will not put Muhammad above any prophet of Allah for nobody. Only Allah. So in the honorable Elijah Muhammad, he did tell his followers to pray. He did not teach the master Prophet Muhammad was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he couldn't speak Arabic. So he didn't understand the definition of Allah. He was giving him a Christian definition of Allah. Came in a personage of all these American Negroes, all these years, believed Jesus was God who came down the flesh, walked the earth for three years, got crucified on the cross, resurrected, and said he's coming back, and they're waiting for him, singing about him, slapping tambourines, having chicken and pork parties. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Then the Honorable Elijah Muhammad comes and said he came back as Master Prophet Muhammad walked with me for three and a half years. Left. He said he's coming back. The same story. Three and a half years. White man comes. Disguise God in the flesh to teach people. He left and said he returned for you. All of a sudden, you crazy. Now, like what you're trying to say, if the white man gives it to you, you'll believe it. But if a black man gives it to you, you can't. You're a bunch of black stallions being led by a white Palomino. 
better wake up. And then you can't step into a world where there's been racism for all these years and just say, stop saying it. That is not how you do it. You got to replace it with something. Am I right? Indeed. You got to come in and say, you said Adam is white, he's black. You said Moses is white, he's black. You say, wait, wait, wait. That's racism. What about what you was doing for 400 years? Don't call me no racist. I'm correcting your mistake. And I'm a racist. But I open the Bible and I can see white pictures of Jesus and Moses and Abraham and everybody else. And history proves that wrong. Is that true or is that true? It's true. But when I say it, I got to be a racist. When the white man says it, he's a historian. I don't hate white people. I don't hate nobody. I don't have the time to hate. I have to build. But they call it race because they started running before we did. That's why it's called racism. Because 100 years ago, he ran and held us back. And now that we're starting to make some leaps and bounds in our life with the Honorable Mayor Dinkins, which I'm proud to say, and you should be too, the Honorable Mayor Dinkins, the late Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and the Honorable Dr. Martin Luther King, and all these other great black brothers that are paving a way for the future, instead of y'all going up against them, you better support them. Get behind your own because the white man supported get whether he was right or wrong. Is that true or is that true? How long, black man, black woman, are we going to tolerate this abuse? I'm not advocating no revolution. I'm advocating read the revelations. I'm not telling us to get no guns and try to hurt nobody because then we'll become as wicked as they are. But know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Wear your red, black, and green, or black, red, and green. Don't get pulled into that Jamaican flag that they're sneaking in on you now. They didn't add a new flag in there. It's red, orange, and something. Jamaicans, just like Americans, is in slavery, just like you American Negroes. Their flag ain't no better. Marcus Garvey was a Jamaican, and he did not endorse the flag of Ethiopia. He endorsed the red, black, and green flag. Did he not? Don't let them stick in no new flag and get us confused. We were doing pretty good with the black, red, and green flag. Now they got four or five different colors popping up just to confuse us. You know how that works. Don't fall for that garbage again. Take that other color, take that off and put on the black, red, and green. We all agree that that's our flag. Because we can all agree that we're black. That you can agree on, can't you? Visit the original tents of Kedar, where we have available for you a vast selection of books. Prayer beads, prayer rugs, blacks in Arabic, Qur'ans, the Old and New Testaments of the Bible in Arabic. Also, we have multiple pamphlets and leaflets on the truth. Posters and portraits which display the prophets as they really were, Nubians. Now available, a full-color illustration of the Last Supper, the real Last Supper, portraying the Messiah Jesus and his disciples as they really appeared, as black men, Nubians. The original Tents of Kedar is located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Or call us at 718-452-9329. Now the original Tents of Kedar is introducing a brand new Mackie collection of beauty and healthcare products. 
You must come home to your own, where you'll find a full line of products for the righteous who want to look good and stay healthy, too. Try our pure soaps, skin creams, hair pomades, toothpaste, and shampoos, which contain all natural ingredients. And now, the true light, featuring a Sheikh Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. This thing going on, the Sunnis and the Ansars, uh, with the brother uh, Bilal. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. There would be no conflict between the Ansars and the Sunni had they not wrote a book about us. Our focus at the time, and everybody knows and remembers, was on trying to straighten up the lies about Jesus the Messiah. He was writing a series of books about Christianity. I had never written a book specifically geared at attacking the mistakes of Sufi Muslims ever. Your father, I've written yes, multiple yes. books on multiple subjects, but never once have I sat down and said, ask the Sunni Muslim this, ask the Sunni Muslim that. Check into their communities, check into their lifestyle, check into their diets, check into their dress codes. Your father? Yes. Uh, or check into someone's personal life or into their family or who their kids are and who their wives or wife is. I never did that. I mean, there's times that I wanted to, but I said with the devil, the white man, would love to see two black organizations, though they don't consider themselves black. They really don't. They consider themselves Arabs. But they would like to see two black people battling. They want to see me and Minister Louis Farrakhan go at it. They won't see that. I won't ever go up against Minister Louis Farrakhan as long as he's trying to do things for black people. They want to see me and Clarence 13X or his followers, the 5%, go at it. They won't see that. That's not the game I play. You follow that? Yes. But the moment an Orthodox Sunni Muslim starts trying to pretend he's not African, trying to pretend he's not black because he's found some new love in Saudi Arabia with some red Arabs, then I'm upset. And when they start trying to teach that the Prophet Muhammad was a white man, when everybody knows he was a black man of Sudanese descent, and then they push out pictures all over. See, most Sunni Muslims have never traveled. So they don't know in the white Arab world, they do push pictures of the Prophet Muhammad and the, on his successors and different men in the Bible as white. You follow, not to mention they have certain hadith by a man named Bukhari, it says the Prophet Muhammad is white. I will not teach that garbage and that stupidity to my children, nor yours. You follow? And if I was going to direct questions at him, here's the kind of questions I would direct at a Sunni Muslim if, people, if they wanted to debate. Do you worship the black stone or not? Yes or no? Of course, they will say they don't worship the black stone. Now, I will say, then say, in what direction do you pray five times a day? They'll say Mecca. I'll ask them, is the black stone in that direction? They would have to say yes. Then I'll ask them again, do you worship the black stone or not? They again would say no, because we only pray through it. Then I would ask them, well, on pilgrimage to Mecca, do you kiss this black stone that is in the direction of the east in which you pray five times a day? They would have to answer yes. I would ask them again, do you worship the black stone? You follow what I'm saying? Yes, They're not ready for questions like this. Because the bottom line is if you analyze the Orthodox Sunni faith, they come out, people worshiping a black stone. But that's not as drastic as this. Ask one of them, why is the black stone black? And they will tell you because of the sins of evil people who have kissed it or touched it over the years. They say the angel 
Gabriel brought the black stone down from heaven and it was white. Now this is what the Orthodox Sunni Muslims teach. And it was a white stone. And because people kissed it, their evils went into it and it turned black. Are y'all following me thus far? Now if you ask, if you stop at that point and say, excuse me brother, are you saying that evil and sin is black? Again, the Sunni Muslim will say no. You say, did you say that the black stone was once white? They'll say yes. Did you say that sins of evil people when kissing and touching it, went into it and turned it black? They'd have to say yes again. And then if you say again, are you saying that sins and evils are black? They'd say no. Do you understand what just happened? Yes. If the black stone turned black because of the sins and the evils of people, ask them, why would y'all drape the Kaaba in a black drape and not a white drape? If black is synonymous with evil, and then any Orthodox Sunni Muslim who is of African descent with black skin, who digests that rhetoric and still faces the Kaaba five times a day and goes to Mecca and kisses a black stone when the white Arab is telling them that black is evil, something is wrong with them. You understand? They need help because somewhere online someone has them thinking that black is evil, black is sin. Let me do this again, okay? For you to teach that the black stone in Mecca is black because someone kissed it who was evil and their sins went into it and turned it from white to black is to tell me that black is sin and evil. Are y'all with me? You hear that? Now, if I'm a black man, I'm standing in front of the Kaaba and a black stone, by the way, is not black. It's brown like you. The color of the black stone is brown. I've stood in front of it in Mecca. It's not black like the black of, you know, like the color black. It's brown like the average black person's complexion. For a pale Arab to teach me, a black man with brown skin, that the black stone was turned from white to black because of sins of evil people, you realize what he's telling you about yourself? And then for me to go to Mecca and acknowledge that as a black man, there's got to be something wrong with me. The lights are on, but nobody's home inside my head. You follow? So the conflict that the Ansar Allah community has predominantly with the Sunni Muslims are simple questions like that that they don't have answers for. You think you're fighting against me, another man like you, made of mud like you. You follow? You think that's who you're wrestling against, and you're not. You're wrestling against a higher force. The, the pen that writes the books for y'all is not me. I, like I say in all the books, of my own accord could not do this. You know what's so funny? Again, Orthodox Sunni Muslims say, oh, I know Imam Isa when he first took his Shahada in State Street. That's one of the things they say. I remember him before he was a Muslim, except they got a whole bunch of this rhetoric. And then they don't look at the book and say, well, if this man took his shahada then, that's the first time he was exposed to Islam, how did he manage to accumulate all of this information in that little bit of time? When they can't, none of their imams can. Their best can't. You follow? The point is, I am nothing but a piece of mud. The message that's coming to you people is coming through me, not from me. I am oftentimes shocked by the books myself when I proofread them <laughs> and the information that flows and how it matches up and the predictions that come true. Like I said, last year they had an argument. And the funny thing about it, the book was finished before 
the California earthquake. The California earthquake had been predicted years before it happened, right? When I finished the book, I said, as far as the earthquake in California, it has not happened as of yet, if you read that in the rebuttal book. Now, it has happened twice since then. Yavala? Yes. Now, I couldn't have made the earthquake in California myself. There's no way in the world I could have caused an earthquake in California to happen twice. All I could do is tell you what is coming through me as the true light of Allah. When I say as, I'm not saying I am the true light of Allah. Don't misinterpret me. I'm saying my pen is guided by the masters, the elders. Because some American Negro or Jamaican-born Muslim has not had the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, as it would be in local Arabia, being filled with that holy soul. They have not been touched by anything divine speaking to them. Thus, everybody who says they were has to be crazy. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said he saw the mothership. He spoke to the elders. The Orthodox Sunni Muslims say he's crazy because they didn't have the experience. Uh, Nobu Juali, the founder of the Moorish Science Temple, said the same thing. They say he's crazy. Again, it happened. I say, I've seen the mothership, been upon it, a member of the circle of the elders, and the divine is sending messages to you through me. Not me. I'm not doing it. You understand? Let me repeat that. I am not doing it. Coming through me to you, I have to be crazy. Now, I say, if I came out of the university in Cairo, Egypt, and I was white with blue eyes and a blonde beard, and a brown jalabiyah, which they call a juba, just so they don't want to follow the Quran, and a multicolored tagia, and then said it, I believe that the Sunni Muslims would believe it. You know why I say that? Because there was a mosque called Darul Islam here, a movement on Herkimer Street, 52 to be exact. And when we were propagating our doctrine here, they said I was crazy. Don't listen to him. You answer the worship in Imam Isa. Don't do this. Of Afghanistan by way of Pakistan pops up a man called Sheikh Jalani. Who came in and said he was the Mahdi. That he was a Sufi with spiritual light and broke Dalasam up, dissolved him into Taqwa, Iqwa, Masjid, Mukmin, then went on back to Afghanistan. Because he was a light-skinned Arab. These same Sunnis who say Ansar's worship Imam Isa was wrong, dropped everything and became his followers and moved from Herkimer over to Livonia inside the post office and set up their community there. You understand what I'm trying to read? Yes. That's where we have our differences. Allah says, I bestow knowledge upon whom I please. And for them to say that he has not given it to me because I don't fit the color barriers of which they want to worship is their problem. Anybody who reads the books have to say, I know darling well this man ain't writing all this stuff. If you take the time to read all the Ansar doctrine, a new book came out yesterday, Our Pictures of Sin. Why am I putting this out? Because the Sunni Muslims cannot show you anywhere, anywhere in the Quran where it says you cannot have pictures. They will jump to Hadith or try to use Exodus on you, of which they say they don't believe. The book of Exodus is tampered with, but when it comes to certain points like circumcision, which is not found in the Quran by word, they will jump over to the Torah or Abraham. You follow? So I put a book out to say, you should have a picture of your mother. You should have a picture of your father up in your house to show to your children. That's your lineage. That's your family. You should be proud to show them who their, their grandparents are. And if they say that's a sin, 
say, I'm not showing them their mother nor their father because I think that they are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It it's a sin to have pictures and say that it is the creator. It's a sin to say that that picture is for them. I'm using the word God. You can't take a picture out and say this picture is Allah. That's a sin. But you can have a picture of anybody else, prophet or angel, as long as you're not saying it's Allah and you're not putting up for worship. Otherwise, every time the Muslims travel to Mecca by the millions on pilgrimage, you understand? Yes. The Muslims that are behind the customs office receiving their passports, as they look at their pictures, they're all sinning. If it's that silly and that stupid to think to just have a picture of yourself on the wall in your house, or a picture of your mother, or a picture of your father, or your grandfather, or the Mahdi, or Elijah Muhammad, or Master Farad Muhammad, or, or Clarence 13X, or Nobu Juali, is a sin for you to do that in your house. Is a sin is because these men are so afraid that they're going to go into mortal worship. That's why they say, don't have a picture of the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet Muhammad is not a law to me. I have no intentions of worshiping him. So thus, I can put his picture on the wall and point at his picture to my son and say, see that man, Muhammad? That's the one who brought the Quran. He is one of the, one of the better examples for us here that Allah sent. But the moment I put his picture up and say that he is Allah, then I have committed a, a major sin. Do you understand? Yes. This is why the book, Our Pictures of Sin, is necessary. The book the brothers passing out to y'all is a rebuttal book written to answer questions of doubt because the Sunnis who have nothing else to do spend time slandering the Ansar Allah. my brother here first. Okay? Yes. And I wrote a book answering it so that you will have all the questions answered. Okay. Right. But let me add, okay. but they do need to grow up and realize that black Christians, black Jews, black or Israelites, the nation of Islam, five percenters, nation, the gods and the goddesses, the Zulu nation, are all one family. And, and they have a habit of quoting a, a section from the Quran where they say, Allah has created you in the tribes and families that you may know about one another. And the best amongst you is the he who is the most righteous or the most noble. In actuality, Muslims have to learn to respect black Christians, black Jews. You have to learn to respect your brother first. Then you can think about trying to convince him that what you think is right is right. But you can't start off by standing up and saying, Minister Louis Farrakhan is a disbeliever because he doesn't believe in the same traditions as some specific group of Orthodox Sunnis. Or that Warren D. Muhammad is a disbeliever because he doesn't do such and such and such and such. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. He's a black leader. If Warren D. Muhammad has aligned himself up with white leadership, which he has, called Daru Ifta, if Siraj Wahaj have lined himself up with those white leadership, which he has, and if Bilal Phillips, these are all black men, have lined themselves up with the same organization in Saudi Arabia, but has not paid attention to what is happening to our brothers in South Africa, or not paid attention to what happened to our brothers in Ethiopia, or to our brothers and sisters right here in America, how they're being abused. They're trying to put on dark glasses and pretend they don't see the racism that's going on. I want nothing to do with those kind of people. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. And I suggest it. I, just, I suggest we unite and come together. Some Sunnis into another whole bag of supporting pale Arabs who got billions of dollars and won't do nothing for South Africa. Won't try to liberate our people. Won't try to stop us from starving. Don't, don't even... 
Don't even build them a mosque right there on Bedford and Fulton. They won't even build them a mosque. These guys got signs up begging for funds when they told us we're not supposed to beg. They said for years, Ansar's are beggars. They're beggars. In Islam, you don't beg. Go down right now in Fulton and Bedford and look up, you see a sign. What's the difference between beg and donation? Both donation and beg mean beg. Yes or no? Now all of a sudden they're begging. They should have begged when we were begging. Then they wouldn't have to beg. They'd have some books out. So, but they got these multi-billionaires, like Adnan Khashoggi and them, chasing around white women in America and sponsoring movies and stuff in America, but won't build schools or masjids or playgrounds or medical centers or anything like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was trying to do, or banks or anything. Everything they're doing is strictly for pale Arabs. And now we got black brothers telling me and you we should follow them and not respect Minister Louis Farrakhan or not respect Clarence 13X, or not respect uh, uh, Noble Dwali. I'm not going that way. Not again, brother. Too late in time. We saw what they did to Malcolm X. They waited for him to turn against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, then killed him, and tried to make it look like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did it. Can the devil fool a Muslim? Not nowadays, right. except Muslims who don't know no better. <laughs> okay. so there's a whole lot of Muslims that out there that's being fooled, because Sarad Wahajnam are being fooled by the devil. Then the Prophet Muhammad said, that a lot of his followers are going to go over and follow Dajjal, or dip the Messiah, which refers to in Arabic as the Antichrist. Now, most Muslims are thinking they're talking about Christians, when in actuality, they're not. Because he mentions in the same hadith that they believe in, that this Dajjal is going to have the sign of calf on his forehead, the letter calf from the Arabic language. The letter Kaf is symbolic of the word Kufr or Kafiruna, which means those who conceal what they know to be true. Which means, he says, again, some of his followers, meaning Muslims, are going to go over and worship and follow the Antichrist, who he says will rise up out of Arabia in that same hadith. You see? Now what has happened is, the oil wealth of Saudi, instead of it being used for the dawah to spread the truth around the world, it's being used to build hotels. It's being used to invest in America and raise the economy and the power here, which is giving the Christian world more power. You follow that? So the Saudi Arabians are the Dajjal that the Muslims are supposed to look for. And they have a sign cap on their head. He said, so that you would recognize them when they come. When you see a Muslim, like you just said, out of his dress, he is dressed like a kafir. If a fireman comes in with a fireman's suit on, you'll immediately recognize that he is a... If a policeman comes in with a policeman's uniform, you'll immediately recognize that he's a... a policeman. Now, if a Muslim comes in dressed according to what the brother said, the 7th chapter of the Quran, 26th verse, the law said, I'll send your dress down from heaven. And then the Sunni Muslims have of their selected 40 hadith that the angel Gabriel appeared to Muhammad in human form dressed in a white robe, which I put in many books. So Gabriel, the angel, came down from heaven, and Allah says, I send down the dress from heaven. And when Gabriel came to Muhammad, he was dressed in this white, which they emphasized was so clean, that they couldn't see any traveling on his clothes, then the angels who came down from heaven wear what color? White. 
And thus, what is the God that Allah wants Muslims to wear? So therefore, if you see a Muslim who's out of his wife, he is now a kafir. He has a sign of the polytheist, and the Islamic law says, and they have it right now, these, do the opposite of the polytheist. Then it describes your beard, and let your beard grow long. They say, if you're among a people, and you dress like a people, you are of that people. So if you're walking around in suits and ties, like the brother Malik from Taqwa Mars popping up on television in suits and ties and not representing the sunnah of the prophet Muhammad who got it from Abraham, which got it from the angels who came down, then these men are now the Dajjal. Saudi Arabia is breeding a new breed of Muslims who don't wear beards, who don't wear veils, who don't have to wear skirts, they can wear pants. They can wear brown and purple and plaid like you saw on the tapes and blue. And they sit around the floor in a little room and argue about how they don't have to dress in the proper God. And the Quran said, and, and the honorable Elijah Muhammad put it in every Muhammad speak, old children of Adam, don't let the devil what? And that's exactly what they're sitting there in that room in that lecture discussing. How to get out of strict clothes. And get into, well, your head don't have to be covered. If you, or you don't have to wear a face veil. Only your hands and your feet. Show me the Quran. Not in books written by men. Show me this in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in the companions and the associates of the Prophet Muhammad. I am worshipping Allah. Not anybody else. You see? Yes. So we're in that day and time when Dajjala has made himself present. He is the new Orthodox Sunni Muslim is the doctrine of Dajjal coming out to try to destroy the religion of Abraham, which you are told to follow in the Holy Quran, the second chapter, the 130th verse. Anyone who rejects or forsakes the religion of Abraham makes a fool of himself. When you ask these people whose religion they follow, the Sunni Orthodox Muslims say they follow Muhammad's religion. The Quran says follow Abraham's religion. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that orthodox sect coming out of Saudi Arabia called the Wahhabi is spreading all across the world because they got the money to buy their way into power, to buy the black leadership and put them on salary and follow them all over the world lecturing their rhetoric. That's my next battle. My next battle is now that I've broken the cross and removed the swine, my next fight is against the Jah, which is orthodox Sunni Islam, to start exposing them for what they really are. They are men worshippers, saint worshippers, tradition followers, rock worshippers. They even go to Mecca and throw pebbles at a, a stone figure they call the devil. Which means they're saying the devil resides inside a rock. At least for the period of time that they're throwing pebbles at him. I will not teach my children this ridiculousness. They say the Prophet Muhammad went up and the Quran says Isra. And they say mirage, which we know in the dictionary, a mirage is something, an hallucination, something that didn't happen. But they say that Muhammad went up on some creature with a face of a woman and a body of an ass and wings, a bunch of stuff that I will not teach my children. If I want them to get that, I'll send them to Disney World. If I want them to learn about fiction and fantasy and, and, and uh, if I want them to learn about Godzilla and things like that, I'll let them watch television and get that fiction. But if I want them to know a huck, Min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the facts, the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'll take them to the Quran, the Torah, the Zabur, the Injil, the Sahur. 
Kitabul Hikmah. I'll go to a lot of scriptures for truth. If I want fiction, if I want fantasy, then I'll go to books like Hadith, which is fiction and fantasy. Writing of men, not the words of Allah. So no, brother, my next battle is against the Orthodox Sunni Muslims who spent so much time attacking me when I wasn't concerned with them. You see? Yes. I was concerned with trying to stop our Christian brothers from worshiping a white man on a cross and saying he's God. That's, that was my concentration. And instead of them aligning themselves with me and helping me destroy that disease, they were busy attacking me. Well, now that, I've, now that I've got the disease under control called white man's Christianity, now it's time for me to move over to them. And they better be ready. <laughs> they had nobody like me come out against them. They got their hands full. They got, you better believe it. Come out to the village of the Ansarullah community, where we are raising 144,000 children of light. Come home to the tabernacle of the Most High and get your questions answered by visiting the Hall of Knowledge on Sunday afternoons from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. We are presently establishing new tents of Kedar, Islamic books, and gift shops in your neighborhood. Call or visit our newest location at 106 Halsey Street in Newark, New Jersey. Zip code 07102. Or call 201-802-5377. We are also located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Zip code 11221. Or call 718-452-4324. Yes. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 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 Did you know that you My name is Dr. Michael Bowe, and I've been a follower of the Lamb for almost seven years now. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the Grand Master Teacher for this day and time, Dr. Malachi Ziyur. Dr. York, I have a question. Why are we having so much violence across the country? And why is there so much bad weather? Um, this is the year of death. Mm. Uh, this is the year of death. 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 This is the year of
Ethiopia about the sun and and even etymology. Nine ether. Yeah, nine ether, number nine. Anyway, it was alleged in, in the back 
by the, somebody else in the family that the two pictures, uh, that the third Caliphate, is that right, Caliphate? Caliphate. Caliphate, uh, Ivan Amen, and uh, uh, Abdul Rahman was, was the same person. Salaam alaykum. Well, alaykum salam. On page 125 of the photo Yes. We start at the top with Muhammad Ahmed al Yes. The great grandfather. And then we pass down to his son, which is Imam Abdul Rahman al Mahdi. Then on the next page, which is the 126th page, yes. we're looking at three of his sons. And one of them is still alive today. The one in the upper right hand corner, who yes. they're saying is, when they made their mistake saying is Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman died in 1959. This man here, Ahmed, is still alive today. He was here, in fact, a couple of months ago, right in, in, in the mosque, living. The, the one, that's the one that's in 1935 and still living. That's why right. he's still alive right now. Right. He's in Sudan, where Imam Abdul Rahman, on the next page, the 25th, he died in the year 1959. Now, to the right of the man on the 26th page is Sayyid Fadiq's father, which is a man you see me with on the preceding page. We're standing there together pointing. Right, that was the Prime Minister. That's, that's right, that's right. That's his father up there in the upper right-hand corner. Beneath his father is his father's younger brother, which is my father. Okay. Imam al-Hadi Abdul Rahman al-Mahdi. You follow? Yes, I follow you. Now, what they're saying is that they're saying that we made a mistake and called Imam al-Hadi, my father, and his father, Abdul Rahman, the same person in a magazine many years ago. Okay. Now, but the fact remains that in the magazine that they found back then, yes. there was a mistake, but the mistake was not made by me because at the time, I was in Sudan in the university. The American brothers and sisters who answered Allah put this leaflet out. They put out like three pamphlets that had nothing to do with it. One of them was a Hajj pamphlet. One of them was a dietary laws of a Muslim pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And that booklet, which I mentioned all these in this book. Yes, and the people who put it out are still in the mouth. Ansar, who put that out when I was overseas in the University of Khartoum, are still here. And mentioned to the people, no, Imam Isa was not here. I immediately called them from Sudan and said, you made a mistake. You put a picture of my grandfather and my father at two different ages as if they're the same right. person. Right. And they had already circulated, so he said, what's the big deal? So they made a mistake. <laughs> but for him to imply that I don't know what my own father looks like, Right, that's what, it, that's what he was yeah. saying. Which is also immaterial. It, it, yeah, right, exactly. I was going to say yeah. that. that uh, not that I saw it as uh, being important. Or, yeah, but or when learning. you get to 1980, when you get after that, and you see me and the Prime Minister sitting together, the point I was trying to make to Bilal Phillips and Faraj Wahaj is that if I was just another American Negro who went to Sudan, mm -hmm. explain what I'm doing sitting in the, with the President. And if I was able to manipulate myself up there, why haven't they produced pictures of themselves sitting with the President? Oh. How was I able to manipulate myself into the, live in the house of the Mahdi? I'm living inside of the little man in his house. If I'm not related, what am I doing in there? Why would Sayyid Sadiq come back and forth to the United States to represent us on five different occasions? Why would a prime minister, check this out now, a prime minister of a country leave his country, come to the United States, visit the United Nations building, and then come on Bushwick Avenue to meet a man who's a fake? Why would he, a man who's the president of a country, think about this, leave his country, Visit the United Nations, the delegation has to sign in as a, as a diplomat, and then come over here and stay on Bushwick Avenue in the middle of the ghetto with a bunch of Negroes. Why would he do that? I, I, I mean, that would be totally suicide without security, without any, I mean, it would be totally ridiculous. They don't, you know, the Sunni Muslims are so narrow-minded, they just, they're so jealous, the bottom line. There's some of the things they say are so ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? They make some silly mistakes. I mean, 
you know, you can see over a period of years between 1970 and 1980 something, where me and Sayyid Sadiq al-Mahdi had pitches back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Me going over there, him coming over here. Me going over there, him coming over there. He's at my wedding in Sudan, I'm back over here. We know it's, I mean, it's such a ridiculous. You know what bothers them? What bothers them is I'm able to assimilate into America, speak like an American, act like an American. I'm brown. That bothers them. They want me to speak like my relatives with a twisted tongue. You follow? They want me to act like uh, a Sudanese when I told them I was raised predominantly in America. I think like an American black man. I'm fortunate that I retain my language and that I retain my identity, my silsila, but I think like an American black man. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, that bothers the Sunni Muslim. But that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planned it. That's why he said, I raised up for you one from amongst your own. Has to be somebody like you. No Arab can't come over here and teach you because he doesn't understand what nigger means. Not really. You understand? Yes, sir. He doesn't I, understand I, I, I what poverty means. He doesn't understand what living in a project means. He doesn't understand what welfare means. He doesn't understand that the black cop will beat you worse than the white cop. And the black meter maid will chase you down quicker than the white meter maid. He doesn't know that. He'll go up to the Negro cop when the white cop and the black cop come and try to confront them as brother and get beat up. See, they can't deal with that. Allah knows what he's doing. He knows what that man he raised up in the, in the West here. Get a follow that? Because the man that preceded me, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, knew what he was doing. And though many men tried to emulate him and tried to badmouth him, he knew what he was doing, which was obvious by the nation of Islam that he built. Not by what, not by what men say, not by what Bilal Phillips says, who has no congregation, no responsibilities, no masjid, no schools, no nothing. Not by what Siraj, Wahaj, Wambedfin, and both says who can't pay their rent for their masjid. You, you judge a tree by what? By the, by the fruit it bears. Look at the work of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and you can see that he was a great man, and that he was inspired by somebody or Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters, this is your brother Eddie from the Dean Show and I have some amazing news for you. We just made a down payment and are in Some things. You follow what I'm saying? Without question. Without question. And the problem with the black people is the same problem we've always had. You know what it's called? The Joneses. The what? The Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses in a doggy dog world. Black people hate this. The moment we see somebody like Johnny Mathis and a black woman say Johnny Mathis is a pretty man. He's a faggot. This is how we do it. Eddie Murphy's doing fine now. He's very popular. What's all the black men saying now? Eddie Murphy? He's a faggot. Uh, what's the name? Uh, what's that girl? She came out. She was doing good. Uh, Dionne Warwick's relative. Oh, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston? She's a dyke. Uh-huh. We, you know, we can't help ourselves. We just refuse to let our own people make it. And the moment here, yeah, and the moment, and that, believe me or not, brother, that has been bred into us by the white man by making Mickey Mouse a black mouse, by making Daffy Duck a black duck, and, and Elmer Fudd can't talk, but he outwits them every time. And then by having a white man do Amos and Andy's voice. And then by having, you know what I mean? He has undermined our intelligence. This is what Honorable Elijah Muhammad was trying to tell us. He has undermined our intelligence with his trick knowledge. And he has us hating ourselves. So what happens when a Sunni Muslim hands about the Ansarullah community, say, these guys got communities all over the world. There's millions of people dressing in white. They got a flag. Their kids speak Arabic. They read the Quran. They build a mosque on the ground up. They're open. Now we're putting out our own products, our cleaning products, like all of these and soap and toothpaste. We're getting into baby oil and baby powder. And we're, we're moving up the 
over on Bedford Avenue who can't pay his rent, of course he's mad. Because the white man is putting him on television. He brought him down, he puts the large on television and asks him, what is Islam? None of these guys who graduated from any prominent Islamic universities hold no certificate. You know what I'm saying? They pull it out and say, now you know, and all you brothers in there have been following the Amsterdam community for years, know that we have had a drug-free community since the 70s. And no drugs in the Bushwick section. You can move in this section and leave your door open. But the dope fiends know, walk around Bushwick Avenue, because the Muslims over there don't play. Don't bring that stuff around our kids. We ain't having it. So now, here these guys come up three years ago and chase three drug addicts on Bedford Avenue, and they're on every major magazine and newspaper in the country. Why? Because the white man wants to make a Siraj Wahad known because they know he doesn't know what he's talking about, and in due time, they'll just embarrass him. You follow me? Now it's out of the do. When they ask out of what they think of Siraj Wahad, they'll say, well, he's a convert. He's an American Negro converted to Islam. You know, they'll, they'll write him down. Does he speak Arabic? Well, he doesn't speak fluently. He reads a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So ultimately, then when you ask the Arab, can you understand the Quran if you can't read Arabic? The Arab will say, no. There's no way you can understand the Quran if you can't read classical Arabic. Then they'll say, now, does Imam Suraj Wahaj speak and read classical Arabic fluently? Then they'll say, no. Which means, hey, he's leading people and he doesn't understand the Quran. You see the tricks they use? That's the game that these, these, these devils are using. Anything to stop people like Clarence 13X, the leader of the 5% nation, stop Imam Asa, the leader of the Nubian nation, stop Yahweh Ben Yahweh, the leader of the black Israelite Hebrew nation, stop any black leadership. Don't let niggas organize. Don't let them come together as a family and build. Don't let them realize who we are, the devil. This is what must be prevented. And because Imam Asa's program seems to be the most powerful. Why? Because I accepted the slander and went into the music world. Why? Because I saw that Marvin Gaye reached more people on one record than every imam in the whole world did, given a sermon on Friday. I saw that LL Cool J, Big Daddy Kane, Dougie Fresh, Third Base, uh, Kwame, uh, Shafi, and on and on and on, that these brothers who are rapping, like public enemy in them, are rapping messages out to the people. Now, I can sit around and play stupid Sunni Muslims and listen to a bunch of stupid Arabs, you understand, who tell me, don't listen to music, don't dance, don't, don't do things that I do naturally as a child of the motherland. And you know what the motherland is, right? Sudan yeah. called Africa by the Greeks, all right? So I'm, I'm supposed to listen to these men and cut off my soul. No, Imam Asa didn't think like that. You know what he did? I went out and assimilated myself in the hip-hop world and got to know Africa Bambara and got to know Jazzy Jeff and got to know Dougie Fresh and got to know all of these rappers and sat down with them by building a recording studio that he talks about in the book. He doesn't understand the power of building a recording studio. All the rap groups come to record with me. And when they come to record with me, I sit down and find out what they believe. Your father and what they want to do. And I come to find out these young brothers wanted to go out to do something about drugs. Wanted to go out to do something about the condition of their people. I said, well, then go out with the truth. And let me pour this truth on you. And if you can stand against the truth, then call me a fool. Now what happens is, because that, the Ansar-Law community, you go out there and look at, like, album jackets by this rap group, you see our flag on the back of it. You see, thanks to Mom Ace on the back of it. You see me now involving myself with the Zulu Nation, under Africa Mbada, they took their Shahada and became Muslim. And these guys don't have nothing else to do. Listen to 
destiny. The money they spent on that book, Anti-Culture America at Bilal Phillips, yeah. they could have spent building their mosque. spent opening a school for their kids. They could have opened a business to support themselves. I heard the product, I got 10,000 copies of his book sitting in the mosque that we got to sell or give away. They should have took the money that they spent putting that 10,000 books and did something for their community. Or for the women there, so half of them would not be living in shelters or on welfare. You understand what I'm saying? I, I agree. Believe me, Imam Asa was not interested in writing a book about the Sunni Muslims. If I wanted to, yes. I would have done it years ago. I was writing books about how blacks are being taught that Jesus was a white hippie who died on the cross for their sins, and keep turning your cheek for the white man because she's slapping us around. That's what I was teaching. I was teaching, like, don't let them tell you that Dr. Martin Luther King ain't no good. Don't let them tell you that Elijah Muhammad ain't no good. Don't let them strip the only black leadership you've got. I'm not saying that everything that every one of these men taught was right and exact. That's not, I'm not a lost upon Allah. I can't make that decision. Don't let them turn you against the Honorable Mayor Dinkins. I watched the Sunni Muslims come out in support of some Pakistanian that was running for office in Brownsville, but didn't come out in support of Dinkins, whose children is named Shabazz and Jamal. But the Sunni Muslims didn't come out to this man's aid. They would go out to some Pakistanian out of Queens somewhere who's pretending he's black for a day, but they won't come out for their own. And I can't live with that kind of stuff. You follow? And I'm not going to let them care to honor Elijah Muhammad down just because a bunch of books, and let me make this real clear, a bunch of books written by men called Hadith that they say are the stories of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. This is not the Quran. I have never, ever read a Hadith in English or Arabic, it started off, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. They don't start off in the name of Allah. They don't start off in the name of Rasulullah, his Prophet Muhammad. They start off in the name of men called friends or companions, Sahaba, or even women like Aisha, who shouldn't have been outside the house in the first place, because the Quran 33, 33 tells her woman's place is in the house. But these men want to live their whole life based on these traditions and lay aside the laws of Allah. I'm only teaching one thing, and that's why I'm hated. And the one thing I'm trying to teach is, first, that we believe, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wahtahu la sharika That only, that's the most important thing, Allah alone. Then we will deal with his prophet. First, we got to establish tawheed in our hearts. We got to learn to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and give all gratitude, all praise, all thanks, like we say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. All of it goes to Allah. In Fatiha, in the first verse that they've taken from the fifth part of the Quran and made the first, nowhere in that chapter do we get mention of the Prophet Muhammad. Nowhere. It's talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you understand? That's my goal. My goal is to reinstill belief and loyalty and devotion in Allah wahdahu la sharika lahu. Alone, without partners. Then we'll deal with his prophets. And we'll deal with them in order. And that means from Adam down to Nabi Muhammad, Khatim Enbiya, the seal of the prophet. But we'll start understanding Adam and read. And we won't get a thorough story of the prophet Adam in the Quran. It's not fair. We have to go to the Torah. And if you open your Quran to the fifth chapter, the 47th verse, the Sunni Muslims maliciously added the word was, Kana, which is not even in there. When it says, we sent down this Torah to you, it has the word guidance, and they say was guidance in translation. You follow that? 
These are things that frighten me because this shows that the devil is busy and he's trying to make us not understand the beauty and the boundaries and the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're trying to turn us into men worshippers like they turned the Christians in when Jesus left the world and went to the bosom of Allah. They immediately turned him into a god. When Buddha left the world and went to the bosom of Allah, they turned him into a god. You understand? And those Sunni Muslims are trying to do the same thing now. They're trying to send us to hell. We worship who? Allah. Allah what? Alone. Who has what? No partner. No then if you want to say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lahu. And then if you want to add Muhammad Rasulullah, fine. Once you establish in your mind first and foremost that you worship Allah and Him alone. You understand that? Yes. That's step one. But see, they lie. And I made a statement. And the statement is that a lot of men calling themselves Muslims are liars. They are devils pretending to be Muslims. You understand? And they're altering things in the, in the laws of Allah over a period of time, adjusting words. They have us worshiping men instead of Allah, worshiping stones instead of Allah, worshiping tombs. Relic, uh, whiskers. They got. They have the whiskers of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ in Jerusalem. They have the whiskers in a canister, and Muslims go there and make dua. I was in Egypt, and in Egypt they have a masjid and a shrine to one of the Prophet Muhammad's daughters and one of his wives, and they go there behind this door. And I've been in the masjid myself, and they make dua. They kneel down, they lean on this thing, and they say they give prayers there. Show me that in the Quran anywhere. Show me where it says we're supposed to do those things. We don't supposed to pray to nothing or no one but who? Allah. And Allah alone. And if any man, me, or anybody else steps in and tries to direct the focus of our prayer from the one creator of the boundless universe in any other direction, then he's acting a part of the devil. I don't care how many degrees he has or what Islamic universities. I don't care how good his Arabic is. I don't care how he dresses, how much perfume he wears, how much kahol he wears, how much sunni he recites. If that man or that thing tries to make me and you worship anything or any man other than Allah, then that man or that thing is acting the part of Satan. Do you understand me? My mission... And it's going to be difficult. And I'm going to be hated. But I'm in good company when I'm hated. But they hated all of the men of law sent. If they like me, I know I'm doing something wrong. You understand? I agree. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be slandered. I'm going to be reviled. People are going to say all manners of evil against me falsely. I expect all that. I accept all that. But wait a minute. Either they're going to get back on the path, the Surah al or they're going to get out of Islam and stop pretending but they're fabricating a new society that the world is beginning to think we are. And they're judging us by that stupidity that they teach. And I'm not going to teach no stuff like the black stone is, like I said on that tape today, the black stone is black because of no sin. Yeah, you ain't feeding that stuff into my son. Right. You ain't feeding to me that the Prophet Muhammad was white. And if I say he's black, then he's a, I'm a kufr. Why? Because you white? You're not feeding me that stuff. You're not going to feed me that garbage about going to Mecca and kissing a black stone and praying and rubbing shrines and laying up against brick walls. You're not passing that stuff on to me. I worship Allah, and the East and the West belong to Allah. You understand what I'm saying? And that's, I'm in the Western part of the world because it said the light would shine out of the West. 
out of the east and under the west, and so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's exactly what I am, the Son of a Man. I'm not the Messiah. I am not the Mahdi. I am the Son of a Man, a wonderful and a great man. Imam al-Hadi, alayhi salam, a wonderful and a great man, my father. And whether the whole world denies it or not, listen to this. Many Sunni Muslims say, Imam Isa is not a part of the Mahdi family. Do I need the Mahdi family to raise my people? Does it sound like with me talking I have to add that one more headache on my life? Wouldn't I be a greater man if I did this and said I am not Sudanese? I am not tied to any Arabs. I was born and raised in America. I'm an American Negro. Now listen to me teach. Wouldn't I appear greater I to be raised so. up in America, an American, without any Sudanese ties at all? Why would I pull on a burden of a, of a country, my own, that I love, and of all the, the gossip and the slander and the accusations that come with me saying I'm a part of a family if I'm not. Why do I need that? For what? Would that impress y'all? Does it impress y'all that I'm part of Sudanese? Or does it impress y'all what's in these books? What's in the books? And if you took out every reference in these books to Sudan and the Maggie family, the books would still be the baddest thing out. If you took all of it out, the truth is truth. So I am not saying I'm Sudanese just because I want to pick one of the countries in Africa to identify with. And I don't care if nobody believes my blood. My blood speaks for itself. You follow? So the Sunni Muslims are angry, and they have a right to be angry because I'm coming at them. I'm coming at them. You know what I'm I wouldn't be coming at them if they didn't spend time on me. I was busy breaking crosses and taking off the heads of swine. I was trying to bring Christianity to a reality in the minds of black people in America. That's all I was doing, showing them Jesus was not crucified, who his father was, who his mother was, where he came from. He was not, he was not a deity. He's definitely not a lost upon Allah. I was bringing that forth. I was not bothering the Sunni Muslims. Here comes some old nappy-haired Negro, born in Jamaica, raised in Canada, don't, and never met me in the flesh in his whole life, never talked about this Bilal Philip, never met me, never talked to me, never visited our community or nothing. And he's going to write a whole book about our community. Starts off the book saying I was born in 1935. Starts off the book wrong. I mean, when the Arabs told him, don't write the book unless you got the facts, Plus, starts off the book wrong. I said, you want to see some facts? I'll write facts. I'll write a book three times as large as your book with a hundred times as many facts if you want facts. And now that I've gotten used to doing this, I enjoy it. So now I'm writing another book. Right. Next book is called 360 Questions to Ask the Sudi Muslim. And they will not be able to answer it. People are saying, you're attacking Islam. No, I'm not. I'm attacking the tradition that has bred itself in Islam. And these fake practices that are taking men off the path in this blind faith. If you're going to say you're a Muslim, and you say, Amento billahi wa malaikati wa kutubihi wa rasuli. If you make these declarations, they're not just saying believe. See, that's why they stuck that word in there, believe. That's not what Amina means. Mu'min is not a believer. Mu'minati is not a believer. The word Mu'min and Mu'minati or Mu'minun comes from the word Amina. We will continue with the true light after a brief intermission. <laughs> This is the original tent of Kedar, where we have available a vast selection of books, prayer beads, prayer rugs, black and Arabic, Quran, and the Old and New Testaments of the Bible in Arabic. Also, we have multiple pamphlets and leaflets on the truth, posters and portraits, which displays 
profits as they really were, Nubians. Now available, a full-color portrait of the Last Supper, the real Last Supper, portraying the Messiah Jesus and his disciples as they really appeared, as black men, Nubians. The original sense of Kedar is located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Or call us at 718-452-9329. We will now continue with the true light. Aleph, Mim, Nun. To be faithful. To have faith. And they'll tell them, Muslim, you have to have your Iman together. You have to have your Iman together. Your faith. Your faith. Then they put a, a meme on that same word, faith, and call it Mu'min, and then change it to believer. I don't believe in nothing. It comes from Allah. I have faith in it. I believe in you. I believe my boss is going to give me my check this week if I work. I believe my car is going to cross the Jersey Turnpike on my way to Philadelphia. But I'm not going to put my faith in it. I'm going to have the engine checked and make sure the gas tank is full. Then I can put a little faith in it. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have faith in Allah. As he is. I don't need no, no, no nothing decorating him up. I don't need no colors put around him. I don't need no robes put on him. I don't need no rocks, no buildings, or no flesh. I believe in him, Shamahua, as he is, and his unique qualities. Because the Father. I'm content with that. And that's what I'm here to teach you. That now that Islam is in the West, it's going to be at its best. It's going to be pristine purity. And if they can't deal with it, get out the ring. Go ahead. Well... Let me comment on this sex life yes. for Muslim books. Say again? The sex life for Muslim books that I've written. Oh, uh, That's where they're coming. This is not for you. I understand oh, where you're okay. coming from. I can feel okay. it. Believe me, I feel it. I'm talking to people who they question about the sex life of Muslim. They say, Imam Isa wrote a book called The Sex Life of a Muslim, and it is disgusting. I just want to ask them how they get their kids. They still teach their kids that a stalk flies. You can't do that in Saudi Arabia. Kids might get lost. Stalks fly over houses. How do the Sunni Muslims make babies? Do they have sex? Understand what I'm saying? Why are they trying to take one of the most prominent things in everybody's life and pretend that it does not exist? And then have children raising them and not telling them about it. The whole Muslim world needs to write books on what Islam says about sex. If you disagree with what I say, then write your own book and prove it wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Write a book about sex and say, this is wrong because, look, this is wrong because, look, this is wrong because, look. But don't pick up the book and say, this is wrong because it's disgusting. Why? Because I'm explicit. The book says, for adults only on it. Now, if you give it to your kid, that's your fault. If you see your kid with it and don't take it out of his hand, that's your fault. If you saw your kid with the wrong kind of comic book, you take it out of his hand. This is because I've met too many Muslims in my years. Because when you become an imam of a community, people come to you with their problems. You understand? Most brothers who are not leaders don't know that. And so you take time. I've been hearing this for 20 years, all these different rumors and things. I'm going to write a book as explicit as I possibly can about sex for a Muslim. What he can and what he cannot do. Here's where their problem comes in. They want me to put in the book things that Hadith says and say that Allah says it. Saying, I am not going to do that. Then don't ask me to write it in a book because some guy from Pakistan or Russia or Saudi Arabia wrote it in a collection of hadith and you worship it. I don't believe that. 
that is up to you to make the decision. The things that Allah does not mention specifically or explicitly in the Quran, I am not taking it upon myself to add to that. Uh, he didn't say you can't, so I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying, like he says, go into your wives any, by any way you wish, because she is a fertile ground for you, was what the Quran says. Allah didn't even drop to the level of dwelling on subjects like that. Those are animalistic attributes. Allah didn't address those filthy, low subjects, as they call them. What do you, what do you, what do you people think Allah is? He's not dwelling on your sex life. Those words are telling you right there that he does not indulge in any form of sex and he is not the product of any form of sex because the root word in there is wallet. You understand? He did not father any child nor was he fathered by anybody. He doesn't deal in those subjects. He speaks to you in general. I gave your wife as a helpmate to you. Your wife is fertile for you to produce. He doesn't get into the intricacy about your sex life. What you do and what you don't do, that's our animal nature. You understand what I'm saying? That's a human being in us that makes us dwell on how much pleasure we need to have and how often we need to have that pleasure. And for them to involve Allah in it is, is, is blasphemy. It's, it's ridiculous. There's a book about sex because Muslims, like everybody else, have to know about sex. What's clean, what's unclean, about artifacts that are being used, how dangerous these things can be, about diseases like syphilis and gonorrhea, and now AIDS, and who knows what they'll have next year. They have to notice. And if most Muslims don't write about this, and I've been around a lot of them Pakistanis, I'm going to tell you, they're so soft, you can coat them in marshmallow and sell them. They ain't got no masculine bones in their body at all. Because they've been raised That's in an all-male society. They wasn't allowed to have girlfriends. I'm not saying you can go have a girlfriend. But don't make girls think it's wrong for seeing men as cute. And don't make little boys think it's wrong for seeing little girls as, as pretty. If your little boy sees a little girl neighbor and he's a Muslim, he says, Daddy, I think she's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. Then you explain to him why he doesn't pursue her, why he doesn't try to take her virginity, etc., etc., etc. But you don't just say that's wrong. You don't look at girls. That's a sin. You're going to hell. And then you're wondering why your son is sore. Comes home, he's getting beat up every day. You got to raise your, your son hard. Make him a man. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't, he's going to be sore. And you're going to feel bad when your son is getting beat up. But you're going to want to beat him up for getting beat up. We're trying to raise a nation, the Nubian nation. I'm talking to the women in there. Y'all want men or y'all want woe men? What do y'all want? Tell the men what you want. Muhammad didn't tap dance into Mecca. He fought his way back to Mecca. Jesus was turning tables over. He wasn't no punk. Abraham came to get locked by force. He fought a battle. He wasn't no pushover. And I'm not saying that we have to be revolutionists, and especially not against each other, but we have to be prepared against anybody who comes against us to defend our family and our women. Is that right or that wrong? That's correct. And if they call me crazy for that, and let me wobble in my insanity. Go ahead. Well, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say behind that. But, but no, actually, uh, of course, you know, issues like sex and things like that have to be addressed. And uh, I, I didn't uh, read the book, uh, Sex Life of a Muslim. Anyway, in uh, Bilal's book, okay, uh, when, he, uh, when he spoke on the issue of uh, sex, I noticed in the rebuttal you didn't address it. You know, uh, of course, I knew that I had a book 
on the press call, Sex Life of Muslim. I knew I had a book that was in the press at the same time called Sex Life of Muslim that I had just finished. So the reason why I didn't have to address that subject in this book is I had just finished a whole book that was getting ready to come out within a couple of days called The Sex Life of Muslim that addresses each one of the Sunni Muslim subjects that's in Bilal's book already. The reason why I didn't deal with the pictures extensively in this book is that I knew I had another book coming out right after called All Pictures of Sin. You follow me, John, today? And it yeah. may be able to go right there because when I had finished writing the stuff that I got on the Sunni Muslim, I could put it in the back of a truck. I had so much stuff. This thing was almost 4,000 pages. I had to throw away stuff and say, I can't use all this stuff here. Yeah? I had to do so much research on Siraj or Haji them, I felt like their parents. Well, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to use this stuff. I didn't even fear to do this to these kids. You know what it is, though? When you grab them for straws, and when they came yeah. down after 20 years of trying to really get down to slandering mommy after all the years, and all the slander I've been tolerating them for a long time, when they really got down to trying to write a book, they didn't come up with anything. Yeah, I agree. They yeah. really couldn't come up with anything. And when you read the book, it's like, come on, look at these people you went to. You know, people have been out the mosque yeah. 15 years ago. Some guy had a daffy to tell them, this nigga was being a deaf and they believed it. How can you believe that me and a guy took a truckload of a coin to a bank on, on Utica Avenue? How can somebody, that's how you know the guy who wrote the book don't have no bank account, first of all, and though he's still living in the property. First of all, they won't even count that stuff. They'll tell you, I'm counting this. Plus, how did me and this guy carry half a million dollars worth of coins? So how come the government don't know? It's little things like that that people should have just said, this guy here is not writing a book to reveal anything. They just, they just, just trying to stop yeah. the answer our community. Yeah. Let me ask y'all people, can they stop us? No. <laughs> what no. is wrong with them? Look, all we're doing is getting greater and stronger in the name of Allah. Ain't no stopping us. Well, what about the people that don't really know? Like, all right. They also, the scripture tells you cannot be responsible for what you don't know. However, the Bible says, what did Jesus say? All eyes shall behold his glory. You got a chance because the Messiah Jesus is coming. The stupid Sunni Muslims don't have enough sense to teach this. They don't realize they're not teaching that the Messiah is coming. They keep leaving out one very important element, and that element is salvation. Sunni Muslims do a lot of preaching and a lot of doctrine, but they don't never tell nobody what about salvation. What about the saving of our souls for the sins we've committed? And that is done through the Messiah Jesus. He is your salvation. And that's why Islam even says Jesus was exalted in this world and the hereafter. That's why Islam teaches that the Messiah Jesus will come back at the end of the world. Because he is the Savior. He is the source of salvation. And them fools won't teach that. Salvation is to come, not here. And Muhammad told us, in the Nasrullah Kareeban, surely the help from Allah is coming. In the second chapter, 214 verse, in the Nasrullah when his disciples or his followers turned to him and said, Muhammad, when will the aid come? He said, surely the aid is Kareeban, near. They say nigh because they don't want us to understand what it means. They know black people don't use words like nigh. It says then, Idaja Nasrullah, he went back. Nasrullah, Nasrullah, Idaja Nasrullah, and Sarullah. What do they call Jesus' followers in the Quran? Nasri, Nasri, Nasrullah. For all the true followers of the Messiah, you would be real Christians. Not Christian by the Christian Greek word Christos, or the Latin word Christos, or the Greek word. No, but by the word Nasrullah or Ansarullah, and when Allah says, when you see the Nasrullah come, at, that'll be the victorious opening of the seven seals. Muslims, Sunni Muslims are absent of salvation. Ask them, what is their salvation? They have no answer. They read hadith, they read books, they pray, they go to Mecca, they fast, but they don't speak about salvation. No, Rasulullah Muhammad did say that Jesus was coming at the end of the world in all their hadith. But they won't talk about it. And that is the salvation. That's your only hope. Without hope, 
you can forget it. You're one to listen to one here who say you must. You better start acknowledging and start looking for and praying for the return of the Messiah and get away from this rigid orthodox Sunni Islam that has nothing to do with salvation. There's nothing in that. All it says is pray five times a day, go to Mecca, talk to him, say, where's the salvation? Salvation is in the Messiah, Jesus' return. Claim the righteous, who he calls Ansarullah, or Nasrullah, or the Nasr. He died in Nasrullah, he was he tells you right in that chapter of the Quran, and that's supposed to be the last full chapter revealed to Muhammad. It was after all those other things the Sunnis used. It was the last one, Nasr. And that's when he said, when you see the aiders of Allah or the Nasr Allah, the Nasri coming, they tell you this is a victorious opening. When you see them, and they said they'll be yadakhaluna fiddin Allah, not yadakhaluna fiddin al-Islam. It doesn't say that. It says yadakhaluna fiddin Allah. Sunni Muslims keep saying this is deen al-Islam. Deen al-Islam. Say, right, you all are in deen al-Islam. You all are 1,400 years old. Muhammad says yadakhaluna fiddin Allah. Then if they tell you that Jesus was before Muhammad and Muhammad founded Islam, then it would be yadakhaluna fiddin al-Islam. Not yadakhaluna fiddin Allah. Muhammad brought in deen al-Islam. The Sharia, the laws of Islam, the correct thing. But Isa was in Deen Allah. He was called Ruhu Allah, the soul of Allah. What was Muhammad called in the Quran? Rasul Allah, one sent from Allah. Jesus was called Ruhu Allah, the soul of Allah, not one sent from him, a portion of his very essence in present. Right there, Kalim Allah, the word of Allah. Ruhu Qudus, a Holy Spirit, Allah does. We strengthen Jesus with the Ruhu Qudus, with the Holy Spirit. But now you done got so far away from that, you think Islam is a new religion that does not acknowledge the Messiah's return. And you think, well, if I say I believe in the Messiah's return, I'm a Christian. And that's all the devil's work, Sunni Islam, trying to mess you up. Abraham, Jesus said, before Abraham I am. Didn't he? Before Abraham he existed. What was he talking about? He was talking about what Allah called him, Rahu Allah. His soul existed before Abraham. He was a part of the Elohim, which is translated in Arabic as Allahumma, a part of the original we in creation. And he is your salvation. You better get back on the right path, because I don't know where someone misled you people, but Jesus is your salvation. Ask the Sunni Muslim, where's the salvation in Islam? They ain't got none. That's still 49 years ago talking about Deen al-Islam. It's Mila Ibrahim. When you see people entering into the deen of Allah, it says. Not when you see people entering into the deen of Islam. What's the difference between deen of Allah and deen of Islam? Deen of Islam is prompted by hadith and traditions and customs of men. And deen of Allah is prompted by his holy scriptures. Because Allah speaks, not men interpreters. I know my religion was deen of Islam in the time of Muhammad. But Muhammad said... And I said, if you open your Quran in the second chapter, 214 verse, it tells you, don't think you're going to get away with anything that the children of Israel didn't get away with. Don't think you're not going to suffer what the children of Israel suffered. You're going to get it all. Then at the end of that statement, they said, well, Muhammad, when is Jesus coming? When is the Nasrullah? When are the Ansars coming? And he said, in the Nasrullah, Karibin. Surely, in the Nasrullah, the Nasri, the Nasrullah. See that? Ask our pale Arab who the Sunnis worship. What's a Christian in the Quran? They say Nasr. He's a Nasr. Is that related to Nasr Allah? No, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> they say, isn't that the same word 
that's like saying, isn't uh, they call it skin milk and homogenized milk? Milk? No, 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 no. One is skin milk uh, and one is homogenized. Okay, but are they both milk? No, 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 no. This is sheer stupidity, and they're trying not to have you receive the gift of heaven. They're trying not to have you receive the gift of the glory of salvation through the Messiah Jesus. Now, you may say, wow, your mom sounds like a Christian. Well, for all intents and purposes, I'm not a Christian by Christianity as your interpretation of some white guy nailed on a cross for you. But I am in the sense that I believe that the Messiah, Jesus, is going to come to save you and that we are bringing him in. We are his herald. We are bringing you up to the par where you are prepared to receive him and receive the grace and the forgiveness that only comes through him. Muhammad never claimed to have the power to forgive anybody. He didn't. He merely said, I came with this Quran because it will clear up all the confusion and all the conjectures that people made up about Jesus and all the other prophets. I made a statement a while back. I want you all to relate to this. If I make a cake and I don't put flavor in the cake, you with me? I don't put any flavor in this cake at all. Now, the cake is just plain cake. And a white man calls it. What kind of cake you want? I want a plain cake. That means it ain't got no flavor, just plain. Now, if I add chocolate in the cake, then it becomes what? Chocolate cake. If I add marble, and I want to make it chocolate and strawberry, if I put some chocolate and some strawberry, we call it marble cake, because we're confused now. Now, whatever I want you to taste in the cake the most, I put the most of it in the cake. Are you with me? Okay, now. So now, if Jesus is mentioned in the Quran more than any other prophet, and he is, then Allah flavored the Quran more with the Jesus flavor than any other prophet. Huh? Are you with me? So what does he want you to taste when you read the Quran? Jesus or Moses? If he put more stories about Jesus, more names about Jesus, more about the purity of his birth and the miraculous things he did while he was on earth and the powers he was given while he was on earth, the Quran is saturated with more information about Jesus than any other prophet. Mind you now, if Allah is making a cake and he puts more chocolate, he wants you to call it cake, what kind of cake? Nowhere in the Quran does Muhammad say the Quran is his. Nowhere he says, this is my Quran. Nowhere. Muhammad was a prophet sent from Allah bringing us the Quran. That he could clear up all the confusion in the books before and prepare you for that chocolate cake. And the chocolate in the cake of life is Jesus. The prophet most mentioned in the Quran is Jesus. Allah wanted you to recognize Jesus out of all the other prophets in the Quran. Now, if you got a better argument, let me hear it. Devala, but them Sunni Muslims have no salvation. They don't even know what they're doing. They just pray, fast, and sit around and read traditions of men called Hadith. They better hurry up and wake up and realize that the world is quickly coming to an end and they have no proclamation for salvation. You can't ask them how they're going to be saved. They don't know. Think about it. Talk to Sunni. Say, well, where's your salvation at? Well, if I'm good, I'm going to go to heaven. Okay, if you're good. But well, what about all the sins you already committed? Because I got like a brother named Siraj Wahaj from Montauk, who stands up and tries to sell this book to Ansar Cole. He goes out his way to push this book on us. And, and right? So all them brothers and sisters sitting over there in Taqwa better get up off the floor and get over here where we say we have to get salvation through the Messiah so that you can be forgiven for making those mistakes. If they're not asking for salvation for their previous sins, they think after they took their shahada, they're over. How many of y'all took your shahada and then the next couple of days committed another sin? Y'all are true. 
You know you, you know you did. Innocence is sitting there pretending. And if you did that, all the other sins are back. And all the ones you had before, that you got rid of it, your shahada, the moment you committed another sin after that, you got all those sins back. Now you got to start doing deeds. Now it's about matching them with good deeds. All the stuff you said, man, I took my shahada, mean all the stuff I just snatched part of the beat up old women and did this and did that. Boy, it's all over. And then you went out and did something wrong and it's all back. I'm back to the beginning. That's, and he says, Jesus is what? He shall be called Jesus because he shall save his people. It says the law came to Moses, but grace, which is a form of nitma, which is forgiveness, came to Jesus. Them Sunni Muslims don't realize, especially if there was once an Elijah Muhammad follower, a five percent or a Buddhist, or worship any kind of statue or idol or saint, they better hurry up and look for some salvation. Without that salvation, they're not going to heaven. And anybody sitting in that mosque listening to them is going to hell. Because the leader ain't got salvation. How are you going to take you? He's sitting there without instruction. He's going to drive you somewhere? I know how to get there. Let me see the map. I don't need a map. Well, let me see the protocol. Well, sit there and tell me before I pull off. I ain't got to tell you. Trust me. Trust you? I trust nobody but who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ain't trusting no man. I trust Allah. Don't trust me. Trust Allah and Allah alone. Any man that tells you to trust him, you better really not trust him. You ain't got nobody but you and Allah. That's why when you make Salah, you're making it really deep with you and Allah. That's why it's just you whispering and you're talking out loud. Part of it for the congregation to know you're there, and the other part between you and Allah. And the most important part, you're saying by yourself, Allah only listens to him. Allah who's grateful to him. Our sustainer, you are worthy of all grace, all praise, all gratitude. Those are the words you whisper. Those are the things you whisper. That's between you and him. Nobody else. Somebody binding partners with Allah, they're going to hell. If they don't have some form of salvation. If you're a Sunni Muslim, you think your salvation was 1,400 years ago. And here you didn't commit the sin after the 1,400 years ago. You didn't commit the sin in 1967. Here you talking about you're going to be saved because what Muhammad did 1,400 years ago. You better clean up your act. And start looking for the Messiah like the Prophet Muhammad predicted that will come and remove the sins from the world and hopefully remove them sins out of your heart for when you were binding partners with Allah. You don't understand what I'm saying? If that sounds like Christianity, then I'm a Christian. You think I'm going to sit around and be with you all and you don't have no direction, you have to mind. I'm not getting no car and let you drive me somewhere and you don't know where you're going. Now, if that upsets you, I'm sorry I'm upsetting you. But the truth is true. Want me, to, want me to water it down so I can feed your ego? Because that's what black people do. You know, they like that, you know. They like you to water things down so you can feed your ego. Don't talk like that, brother. Don't do that, brother. It says the scripture comes with a sword, a two-edged tongue, just cutting up lies. My job is to come here and cut up lies. I didn't come here to win no popularity contest. I didn't come here to be liked. That's not my job. My job is whenever I see a lie, to correct it with the truth, regardless of who it hurts. What does the Prophet Muhammad say about that? Speak the truth. Though it is bitter to others. What I might be saying may sound like a bitter pill, but it's the truth and you know it is. You know what I'm saying is true. It might not, you might not like it. You might not like me. But I'm not going to dance with you anyway, so you ain't got to like me. I'm not here for that. My job is to clear up the lies. And I've been doing it for 20 years, and nobody been able to stop us. When you read our doctrine, who can stand against you? You're the only group of people looking for people to ask you questions. Everybody else is trying to avoid questions. The only people out here can answer questions are you. Well, you got a book here. Well, I'll find. Wait a minute. I'll be right back. I'm gonna find in this book here. Page so just says, just be patient. Page so so. Let me see. There it is. Or you say I'll be back some point on Sunday and act that crazy man. When I come back Monday, I have this answer. You got patience. We're the only ones that can do that. Why? Because Allah has showered His blessings on us. 
But don't think every time I talk to you, I'm going to massage your ego and make you feel good, because that's not my job. Sometimes I got to tell you the truth, and it might sound harsh, but it's truth. I don't like everything I say either, especially speaking, but I got to live with it because it's truth. And it hits me the way the truth is truth, regardless of what I like. Sometimes I say things, I'm like, then shut up. But I didn't commit myself to something. My mouth won't even let me not say it. I try to control my mouth and the answer come out anyway. But that's where a lot of plans think. You understand? That's what reformation means. People will have to contend with the truth. And we have to reform it, bring it back to pristine purity. We follow Mila Ibrahim. We follow Abraham's religion. If you have any further questions, call now. Area code 718-452-9329. 718-452-9329. If you would like a safe copy of today's broadcast, contact the original tense of Kedar by calling area code 718-452-9329. 718-452-9329. Come out to the village of the Ansarullah community where we are raising the 144,000 children of light. Come home to the tabernacle of the Most High and get your questions answered by visiting the Hall of Knowledge every Sunday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. Islam is supposed to be a religion that teaches us how to live in a community. There are a few um, beliefs that I do not quite understand. I would like for you to please talk to me about polygamy, how it came about, and um, what its reasons are, I do not dispute the fact that it is probably lawful for a man to have more than one woman, but the um, the rules that come with that would say that you have to divide yourself equally between each woman would automatically um, exclude, is that a word, most of the men. There's no such thing as a man cannot handle it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined it in the, in the Quran and it's found in the Torah and it's found throughout the scripture of Sahur. So if Allah has said that men can have for a while, then man is physical. You have to look at it from another light now. Not that man is not physical. Is that the devil has stepped in and has changed man from what he was to what he is today. Now black man is living in the image of the white man. I don't care whether he puts on a yellow beard, a tarbia, an emma, or African clothes, or anything, and black green flags. These black men are still thinking. They're not thinking pride. They're not thinking family, they're not thinking nation, they're thinking individual me, myself, and I. They've been ruled by the white man to think that way. And even when they call themselves black, they form organizations to become me, myself, and I. When you look at the basic Sunni population, or the so-called Sunni Muslim, you're looking at black people who are emulating white Arab concept of Islam. They have no, they don't really identify with Mother Africa as a call at all. When you go over to Senegal, you're looking at black men who have been influenced by the French. When you go into Libya, you're looking at blacks who have been influenced by the Italians. When you go into Egypt, you're looking at blacks who have been influenced by the Greeks and the Turks. 
as he traveled throughout our motherland, they're not looking at black people who are black-minded in this day and time. They're looking at black people even in Mother Africa who have been influenced by the white man. And a black man there thinking through a white man's mind. The point I'm trying to make is that if the heavenly father, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has said that a man can have four wives, then it is in man to have the capability to deal justly or Allah would not have said it. Allah don't just seek to be speaking. It's a condition that the white man has put us in and a state of mind he has put our women in by her demand level. By that I mean, he has got the black woman demanding things the white woman demands. She no longer looks at the black man the way she would have in the times of Abraham with loyalty and devotion and respect and regard. She's been groomed to question her man. The white woman has always questioned her man, but the black woman never questioned her man. And as long as she wasn't questioning us, we were ruling the world. The moment our women begin to question us, and this can go all the way back to Eve, going towards the apple without Adam, and then taking it and giving it to Adam. We've been having that problem ever since. That period of 6,000 years ago was when the white man first came into existence. We had just on earth centuries before that, living in empire from Atlantis to move to Lemuria to Salam, all over this planet without the influence of the white man, and our, and our black woman was obedient and accepted polygamy without a problem. It's the white man's indoctrination into the black woman here in Sudan, Somali, Ethiopia, Egypt, uh, Senegal, wherever it's Kenya, wherever y'all are, he has gotten his woman's ideas in your mind, and y'all are starting to deal with your man the way his woman deals with him. You follow that? And genetically, we were not ready to handle the kind of questions that you put before us. Most of our marriages end in divorce or white badgering. Because black women are trying to deal with a black man the way white women deal with the white man. And we only have four generations back where we were living under control of our tribe. We lived in tribal environments with peace. That's four generations ago. Here we are now living in a country with a president. And a whole bunch of women, I wouldn't call it women indoctrination from Elizabeth Taylor to Marilyn Monroe, even though black women in that room who say that they don't idolize Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor, the first thing they do when they get a chance is go add some dead people's hair in their hair, and they got to be shoulder length, and they start painting their faces up and putting on powder to make their skin look lighter. That's product of a Marilyn Monroe and a Elizabeth Taylor syndrome, which takes them out of being African or them saying original women and make them think like white women and they confront the black man in America with that. Now we're going to a confused state because we're finding our way back home. Let me clear something else. Forget the word Africa. Because the word Africa is a bad word. It's an insult. They're not African. We're Nubians. To be called an African is to be called something divided. It's Christian. Something in Arabic that means to be from the word Farata, to be divided and broken up into pieces. We're not African anything. We are Nubians from the word Neba. The news bearer, the same word prophet, comes from the word nabala, nabba. Those people responsible for all the information on the planet Earth. That's who we are. And we have gotten away from that, but now we're reading the books of people who are like babies to us, whose civilizations, as they call them, and whose schools of learning came thousands of years after us, but they have set up the curriculum and the criteria by which decisions are made, who accomplishes this and who fails in this. So we have to pass through their little schools of learning, which is only hundreds of years old, if all that to be brainwashed into thinking we're black. 
That's the problem. So polygamy is not a problem in the eyes of Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put it in the Quran and he put it in the Quran and Abraham did it in the Torah and Joseph did it in the Indian. So it was in all of the scriptures of Allah, man does have the qualification to live in a polygamous system properly and justly. It's just that all of us, male and female, are reading the white man's book and picking up his bad habits and it's killing our society. Okay? Thank you. You have answered that question very well. How do you feel about homosexuality? I feel that homosexuality in the white world is a product of something they created from Greece. It was a first started off as penis envy. The white man is suffering from a serious case of penis envy. He thought by telling white women that the African man was twice as large as he was, that this was through pain, frightened her from the black man. And it worked to the contrary. He started chasing after the black man. Um, in this instance, I'm quoting from a Dr. Francis Weldon, a female doctor who specializes in melanin and uh, genetic warfare. And she says that white man started pursuing homosexual acts because of his inability to perform for his own woman. So they started performing with each other. That's the present day definition of it. The old definition of it goes back to the definition of degree. When, when men had galactical schools of learning and physical schools of training, and they spent on a day of 23 hours at least 20 of those hours among all men. So the stronger men dominated and the weaker men fell to the wayside, like it takes place today in their new system of national galactic law, which is called prison. The strong men in the prison dominate and the weak men become kids or homosexuals. This is a part of the white man's nature because his genes are corrupt. It is not a natural thing for a black man to become a homosexual. But what it is, it's a natural thing for a black man to be a follower. That's the sad thing. So we developed a habit of emulating other people. Now, blacks are starting to emulate what they see on television. And one of those things is homosexuality. Um, I would like to know a little bit about hatred. I do not feel I hate those people. I just feel their way put me in an awkward situation. Um, I was told not to hate anybody, yet I don't love them. And whenever I um, express my views about them, I'm called a homophobic. How does this religion feel about them? And what is in store for them? I'd like to know. I don't hate a gun. And I don't hate a bullet. And I don't hate gunpowder. But the moment I'm shot with a gun and the bullet is in my body and I feel the pain, I hate the pain that the bullet causes. I hate the fact that the combustion of the gunpowder in the bullet gave it the ability to be launched into my body and cause this pain or death. And then I hate the gun that had the hammer that triggered the bullet that sparked the gunpowder that sent that lead into my body. And then I hate the hand that held the gun that pulled the trigger. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Now, I don't want to hate anybody, but I am not a masochist. And when I look at South Africa, I look at Ethiopia, I look right here in the south in this country, I look at Somalia and Sudan, and even in your home country, Senegal, and I see what the white man does, how he constantly pulls the trigger on us and inflicts mental as well as physical pains on us in his pursuit of keeping world dominancy in the hands of the Caucasian. I cannot help but to hate what he is doing to me. You follow? South Africa is really the richest 
part of the whole planet Earth, correct? By the minerals and the natural resources that are found there. Yes. Yet the black people there are the poorest on the planet. Why is that so? Because the white people decided to go in there and take over. Why did they do this? And why don't America help? And why don't Britain help? And why doesn't Australia help? And why doesn't France help? And why don't the red and white Arabs of Saudi Arabia help? Quite simple, sister. Because if they give South Africa back to the South Africans, and we start to control the mines that are there, the diamond mines, and the oil mines, and the platinum, and all the different other natural minerals there, we will swiftly become the richest people on the planet Earth. You understand what I'm saying? Now, nature has placed these things there. And in our religion, we understand nature as the father, or the mother, which is the last upon what I The creator placed these natural minerals there. So the creator really intended for me and you to be the richest people on the planet Earth. Because he put the source of all wealth under our feet in Africa. There's no mineral or natural resources anywhere on the planet that yields any wealth that cannot be found in our homeland. Like all the oil in Saudi Arabia, America could be buying a large quantity of that from Nigeria, but they just don't want to. We know that's a fact. They just don't want to buy from Nigeria because they have no intention of ever letting people of color rule in their natural place. Now, it's a God-given right because God put the natural resources under my and your feet. So he intended for us to rule, but he also made us in his image and after his likeness, and that part of us is our worst enemy. It's our compassion. You don't want to hate because you're just a nice person. You understand that? That's the God in you that says, I don't hate white people. You're just a compassionate, nice person being in the image of the Creator. What is sad is that white people don't feel the same way. They're still shooting our babies in the streets, not just in America. They're killing us all over the world. They take and go to Kenya, and they do all kinds of diseases and laboratory experiments on us, like they guinea pigs. They lay Ethiopia to waste, and as the people migrate and die by the billions, they truckload a thousand of Israel and say, look what we're doing for you. The white man is petrified by destiny. Destiny has it written that we will re-inherit the planet Earth. Once we unite, it'll be back in our hands. Do I hate the white man? Let me say this. I hate the hand that pulls the trigger, that hits the hammer against the bullet, that ignites the powder, that sends the lead into the heart of my people and won't let us stand up and be counted for what we are, but rather controls the media and stimulates the minds of the world that we are worthless, shiftless, good-for-nothing people because they won't give us a fair shot at world markets. If they give us a fair shot at world markets, then we will go into South Africa, the black man who has been groomed in the Western world, who knows about commerce and business, we will go into South Africa and we will turn that gold into the richest country in the world and take Africa out of the condition it's in. But we know for a fact that there's not one part of the planet Earth, not one part of the planet Earth that cannot fit inside Africa five or six times. And the moment we take down the word Africa, Baraka, Ephesia, division, and eliminate Senegalese, and Sudanese, and Maghribians, or Mithraeans, Egyptians, or Somalians, or Nigerians, or Ghanaians, or this, and give it all those walls like the devil is doing in Europe right now amongst his people. The moment we tear down all those walls, and we use Nigeria for all the natural oil resources it have, and we develop it together, and we use 
South Africa, for all in that group, as far as they have, and we can develop together. And we use the ambassadors, the people in this country who can speak, who got the education of the devil here, to be our representatives in the world market and set up with one flag, with one declaration, with one religion, under, the, under one God. You understand that? The white man will fall. He knows this. You follow that? And he will do everything in his power to keep you paying tax out your check. You know what I'm saying? Going to his doctor for medicine, putting your money in his bank. He'll do anything to keep you like that. If the way I feel about getting my people out of this condition means kicking a white person in the head, sisters, I will kick them again and again and again. Because we just cannot go on like this. That cop in, in, in Teaneck, New Jersey, who shot that black boy in the back, he got suspended from his job with pay. When Tawana Brawley said she was raped, she had to prove she was raped. Understand what I'm trying to say, sisters? So if that is hate, the way I feel about that boy, because he could have been my son at my age, if that is hate, the way I feel about the way the society is dealing with our people, then, yes, I hate it. So do I. Uh, um, uh, this is concerning uh, the birth of, of Esau and Jacob, right? Um, it's in Genesis chapter 25, verse 25. The reason I'm asking this question is because it's dealing with the, um, the brothers of uh, the Hebrew Israelites. So I start with 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. Now, <laughs> they were trying to say that this meant that he was white. The word Esau is Hebrew, Yitzchak. Yitzchak means to be hairy. It has nothing to do with the color of the hair. It means to be hairy like certain babies are born, like on a scale of uh, 10, let's say eight babies are born without hair. Four years ago now, but nowadays it's different. Nowadays, you know, a lot of black babies are born with full heads of hair. Mm -hmm. The follow? Back then, Yitzchak was named Yitzchak because he was a twin. And of the two twins, he came out reddish, with reddish skin tone, like certain black babies who, who turn to be, who come out to be caramel color when they grow up. Mm -hmm. When they were babies, if you look at a newborn baby, you see they were reddish. Yeah. All right? Whereas Jacob was very black. His brother came out lighter than him, a light-skinned, red-colored skin. That's where the word Edom comes from. Edom. Reddish. Not red. Reddish. Or blush. You follow that? Okay, I follow But that. the name Esau itself in Hebrew is Yitzchak, and it means to be hairy. So he was born as a twin with a full head of hair. If you do any research on twins, you find out usually when twins are born, one has a full head of hair, and one is usually bald hair. There's always one child is deficient because the other child has usually no genetic more, you know, more out of the fetus of the mother to the, not the fetus, to the wound of the mother than the other. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, I follow. So what they're trying to say is an old thing that Esau is white and Jacob is black, and that the Israelites and descendants of Israel were the black ones, and that Esau was red and thus became white. If you read the Bible and study the get any Bible dictionary and just take the name Esau 
okay. and start reading all the places where you find Esau. You'll find the reason why they say that is because when Esau got mad because of the deception that his mother played against Isaac, her name was Rebecca or Rivka, when she deceived Isaac and gave uh, Esau's birthright to Jacob, Esau, in his anger, went out and started marrying Hittite women. He went and violated the law that Abraham and them had enjoined on the family that you should not take a wife from amongst the daughters of Canaan with whom we dwell. So they live in America amongst the white people, Abraham said. They may be tempting to you, but don't marry them. This was passed down from Abraham, Ishmael, and Isaac, and then down from Isaac to Jacob and them. So when Esau got mad because of what his mother did, to get even, he went out and married a Hittite, of the, which, was, which was of the 11 sons of Canaan, and started producing the red race, which is known as Edom, and inherited also a mongoloid trait. You follow that? Mm -hmm. Which later interpreted itself as mongoloidism. That's why when you see children who have Down syndrome, you're looking at children who look like they are Orientals. Same eyes, structure without lids, and etc. Regardless of what race they belong to, they still have the Oriental or the Mongolian or Mongoloidian. You see the words? Mm -hmm. Two of the exact same words. The word Mongolian and the word Mongoloid is the exact same word. Esau inherited the curse. If you read in the books of um, Malachi, you'll find that Allah says that he hated Esau for what he did. Because he brought the devil's seed back into the blood of Israel. What, what verse in chapter like that one. Malachi 1? 1 for us. Okay. The father? Uh-huh. Hey, Allah says, I hated him for doing this. Because he's been telling us for centuries, don't mix our seed with them. Now today, look at the media again and see that the woman that's being portrayed at, as attractive on all the videos, on all the movie shows, are light-skinned women who are not Latino and who are not black, which they here. They are neither black, nor are they white, nor are they Latinos. They're a new breed of mulattoes that the white man is pushing as the beauty symbol throughout the world today. This is a result of us mixing our seed with them. These people are passing themselves off as black, but wishing to be white. Or as the brother put it in the movie, wannabes. They want to be white. So exactly what are they then? They're black. Anybody who is non-white is black. Okay. Yeah, it's not difficult to find out how to get back to white person. A lot of people in the world who think they're white, like the Sicilians of Italy, are black. Mm. You follow that? Mm -hmm. All non-whites are black. And to say I am white, which is there's no such race, as to say you're Caucasoid, is not to identify a genetic trait, but a, a, ge a geographical location which is a Caucasus mountain, which is between the Caspian and the Black Sea, and it can be found on any map today, which is bordered by the word Turk, which means behind the rock. And that's where the tribe of Canaan was. To say Caucasoid is a quiet way of saying a mountain dweller or a cave dweller or a caveman or a prehistoric man. Right? Okay. You know, what you just said um, really has me thinking because when okay, after Ham looked upon his father Noah and then Salam, and his fourth son Canaan was cursed, is there any quote prior to Leviticus that will prove that Canaan came out in albino? Because that's an issue that these brothers 
You know where it came from? It came from 136 seats in 7th Avenue on the fourth floor in the project where their leader lived. And he was with them. And I know that because he left his welfare card here by accident. Mm. And he had to come back the next day and get it for me personally. Ask him. He'll tell you. And I found it. So I'm like, young man, do you know the danger in sitting around and giving people an interpretation without having any facts? You know what you can read and cross? If you have facts, present your facts in the right forum. We will continue with the true light after a brief intermission. This is the original sense of Kedar, where we have available a vast selection of books, square beads, square rugs, black Arabic, Quran, and the Old and New Testament of the Bible in Arabic. Also, we have multiple pamphlets and leaflets on the truth, posters and portraits, which display the prophets as they really were, Nubians. Now available, a full-color portrait of the Last Supper, the real Last Supper, portraying the Messiah Jesus and his disciples as they really appeared, as black men, Nubians. The original sense of Kedar is located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Or call us at 718-452-9329. We will now continue with the true light. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I'd just like to um, ask you a question about the um, spirit and the soul. I'm just going to read a small part from the answer of Koko. It says here, uh, the spirit or nafs is a life force that exists in all living things, even plants in respect to Nubian, the black man. His spirit is a shell of the soul from which the emotional body and ability to respond emotionally stems, while the body or the shell or the members of the Canaanite race houses the spirit of the jinn on holy spirits. Uh, I don't quite understand what I was reading there. That's why I'm asking you. Everything, I just want you to clarify. That's right. The word is al-hayat. Al-hayat means living. Okay? Yeah. Everything that's living has a nest. Mm-hmm. This is why in both Arabic and Hebrew, the word spirit is interpreted as nest. And it's also used like this. If I said nefsi, I would not only mean my spirit, but I would also translate myself. Or nefsuka would mean yourself. Or nefsaha, herself. You see that? Yeah. So they identify the spirit with the person. And it, it links right from the physical to the spiritual realm. As opposed as nefs, myself, and as nefsun, my spirit. You follow? But yeah. this does not involve the emotional changes of the physical body, which are simulated through the mind, which comes from the reservoir of mental, you follow? Yeah. Which is filled of soulful things. The soul is the emotional body. This is why even a devil, when he identifies with our music, he calls it soul music. Mm-hmm. Or James Brown, because he can get a person moving, is called the father of soul. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, there's a different word in the language. In Hebrew, it's ruh, and in Arabic, it's ruh. Yeah. And that represents the word from the word rish, meaning wind. Why? Because the masses saw the effect that wind has on nature. Meaning, wind blows and forms the pollination process. Mm-hmm. Wind transfers seeds from plants to regrow more seeds. You follow that? Yeah. So they identified the thing that the Almighty put inside man from himself as a part of his spirit that developed man into a living soul. 
something that has a seed like the wind that can plant the seed from being to being and, and thus regrow life or procreate. You follow? Yes. The emotional part of the DNA and the RNAs must be inside that semen and that ovum. Why children inherit certain traits of their parents even if they're thousands of miles apart. They will move like their father or act like their mother. And mainly separated mothers will tell you when they see you do something wrong that you act just like your father right now. You may not even see your father. But you start, you start to do, you talk just like you look, just like you look, you sitting there looking just like your father. That is, that is something that's been passed on into you. That's why they use the word rougher. You follow that? Like a wind. And when they speak about the angelic beings coming down, they call them like Gabriel, they call him they say a holy soul. Poor translators have said spirit because they don't know the difference between soul and spirit. The soul is the emotional body. Now let me get over to what you want to know. The devil himself is a spiritual being. He remember, he was an angel before he was cast out of heaven called Lucifer or Zaha in Arabic. You follow that? Yeah. He was the head cherub, they call him. The head of the cherubim of the 200 angels that fell from grace to find mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11. You follow that? Yeah. So he does have a spirit. And his spirits are unholy spirits. So there are people who are in the church, in the Pentecostal church, slapping tambourines and reaching for a holy spirit and getting unholy spirits, getting possessed, falling out their chairs, foaming from the mouth and rattling on in, in demonic tones and saying they're speaking in tongues. When you read the books of Acts 2, and it starts to explain what tongues is, it tells you tongues is diverse languages, meaning different languages that were being spoken by Jesus' disciples while they were in Galilee that they should not have known, being they were born of Galilee. And people had come from all over the world to hear them speak and was marveled at the fact that each man heard them speak in their own tongue, meaning people spoke uh, Aramic heard them speak Aramic. The people who spoke Arabic heard them speak Arabic. The Nazarites heard them speak in the Nazarite dialect. The Maccabeans heard them speak the Maccabean dialect, etc., etc., etc. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So the spirit can, now you can go to Haiti, and I have, or to Nigeria, and I have, and visit the Yoruba villages and see them perform a, have a bende and conjure up their erishi, which is Shango, Obatala, Ogun, Yemeya, and different gods, which are really human beings who have died and their descendants. And people do the exact same thing, fall on the floor, foam at the mouth, kick, and talk in some babbling sound, which is not speaking a language. So there are unholy spirits moving about the world, and there are holy spirits moving about the world. Esau, or Jesus, was telling people to expect the Holy Spirit. When that Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remove the sin out of the world. Correct? Christians claim the Holy Spirit came, but he did not do his job, because the world still is full of sin. And you read the book of St. John, chapter 16, when they speak about the comforter, which the Christians try to give us the interpretation as the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter of Pentecost, the, you know, the Pentecostal comforter, but yet the world is still engaged in more sin than ever. So if what Jesus said the comforter was coming to do, if that was him, he sure didn't do it. So there are unholy spirits. Jesus referred to these unholy spirits as legions at one time. Demons, multiple amount of demons that inherit in people, who reside in people. You follow that? These things are casting out of demons. So the world is full of two types of angelic beings. Good angels called seraphim in the Bible, and bad angels called cherubim in the Bible. You follow? Yeah. 
So the spirit in the white man that gives him life and makes him live and makes him cry and makes him appear to show emotions is being prompted from an unholy spirit. But the inside you, the thing that makes you continue to tolerate the abuse of the white man and still try to find a way to get him into heaven, because I don't blame the Sunnis, the brothers who follow the Sunnah, it's the God-like qualities in them that's trying to make them forgive the whole world the way the Heavenly Father would forgive them for them. Because we are as dirty to Allah as the devil is to us. We are the devils to Allah. As black and as proud and as pure as we think we are, we are the devils to Allah, and the devil is the devil to us. And we're asking Allah to forgive us, then we will have to learn to forgive the devil. You understand that? Yeah. But in this day and time, we are not in a position to forgive anybody. We haven't even got our soul restored. Now look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. The 23rd Psalm. When you read the 22nd Psalm, you'll read about the crucifixion of David. And now David's going to talk about his soul coming back to the world the way the Christians make it sound like it's talking about Jesus. The 23rd, 22nd Psalm is David's crucifixion. The 23rd Psalm is his regaining of his soul. Let me bring this to the present day and let it apply to us. The Lord is my shepherd. That means the first thing you've got to do is become a sheep. They would share the sheep and make the white robes that they wore. There's a garb of righteousness referred to in Revelation chapter 4 as the white robes around about the throne. Referred to in the Quran as the garb of the Hawariyuna from Hawra, pure white. The, the ones who gown in white or suffer. Pure white robes. So the first thing when we make the statement, the Lord is my shepherd, we have to garb ourselves and become one of the sheep of his pasture and let the staff that he holds govern us in order not to bring the rod of Allah down on us. The Lord is my shepherd and making him my shepherd, I shall not want. You follow that? Yeah. If I put myself, my total self, body and soul in the hands of the Messiah, who people are calling the Christ, I put my total self in his care, I should not want. Now, people are going to say, Imam Asa sounds like a Christian. I keep telling these people, I am a Christian. They keep saying, I'm a Sunni Muslim who has went astray. And I keep saying, no, I am a man who believes in the return of the Messiah. If that makes me a Christian, then I'm a Christian. So leave me alone and classify me amongst the Christians who will be saved. But they want to make me an orthodox Sunni Muslim who has went astray so they can call me a cult or a schism from Sunni Islam, which is wrong. I'm telling y'all what I teach. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If I give him the range of my life, I should not want. I should be willing to surrender to his will. You follow that? Yeah. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That not only means that he grew all the vegetation... But it means like the Quran says, Razaknahum yunsikun. Ar-Razaka is one of Allah's names, Razaku, meaning the provider. He's the one that provides all of the sustenance needed to survive under the sun. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. What is that? Still waters is tranquility. It means nobody threw a rock and made a wave or a ripple. Still waters come around the time of offer, as the easing tide has begun to settle before the sun appears to set. If you look across the water, it appears to be still. It's supposed to be the most tranquil point in time. It's a symbol of paradise. If all that, you need to decide the still waters. What's the next verse? 
You see that? He restoreth my soul. My spirit comes from my creation. My soul comes from my creator. I have been engulfed in the spiritual thing and I've gotten away from the soulful thing. I am no longer a child or a son of the Most High. I've become a son of man. And I started to think like a man and act like a man and want like a man and desire like a man and kill like a man and hate like a man and fight like a man. And then I want to be, I want to be given the right to go back into heaven like an angel. But if I want to get back into heaven like an angel, I have to take off the armor of manhood and become a son of God. And that's why Jesus said, as many as believe on me, to them I give the power to become the son of God. Even if they believe on my name, even if it's in the future and they haven't even seen me, but they still have faith in my work, they'll have the power to become sons of God. Okay? He restores my soul. Now I am divine again. So what does he do? He leadeth me to the path of righteousness for whose name's sake? His name's sake. For his name's sake, not for mine. I am this, I am this, I'm a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I am the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior, I'm a this. Everybody's a I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. Nobody wants to be a humble servant of the law. Nobody wants to be just a sheep in his flock. Everybody got to be the reverend or the pastor or the preacher or the imam or the rabbi or the leader or the Messiah or the Savior. They just can't be a humble servant. He leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when death comes to knock upon my door, I will not fear evil. I have no fear because what? I know that shepherd is going to lead me in the right direction. I know my heavenly father. I know that his Messiah is going to lead me right. The way Moses took the staff and parted the waters and let all the children of Israel out, I know that the next staff bearer is going to be the Messiah, Jesus, as y'all call Christ. And he is going to come with the staff from his father, and he is going to part the waters, and the children are going to walk out of this mess. That is going to happen. And that's what I believe. When I stop believing that, I no longer have any reason to live, because everything in the future is death and destruction, and disease, and war, and murder, because the world is in the hands of the devil right now, and all he prompts is war. They didn't, they didn't take down a wall in, in uh, Russia and Germany. They tore down the wall in Germany. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They, didn't just, they didn't celebrate because the wall came down. They took picks and hatchets and they chopped it down. That tells you the, about the future of that nation, what they're going to be built upon. Yea, do I walk through the valley of shallow death, I'll fear no evil because thou art with me. Now check this. Thy rod and thy staff to comfort me. That's what the brother said earlier. The goods and the bad. I got to learn to take the goods and the bad. When things go my way, I'm so thankful to my heavenly father. Oh, mashallah, like the brother, inshallah, alhamdulillah. But when things are not going my way, I'm cursing them. And in the English language, y'all yell it out. And as soon as you get mad, you say, God, and then you damn him. Comes right out your mouth, God, and then you say, damn, right after it. When it doesn't go your way. It says, I rod and I stab. The rod is the means by which you are judged. It says, spare the rod and spoil the child. We all know that. If our fathers and mothers didn't spank us at the right time, 90% of y'all wouldn't be sitting there. You'd probably be in jail or on drugs. But most of y'all had those kind of parents who, or father that when you got ready to do something wrong, you didn't get money. He just looked at you and said, huh? 
But the father is sitting back drinking beer and smoking a cigarette and watching a baseball game. His son is in jail or on drugs. You follow that? And some of you had to liberate yourselves out of it because you was in jail and on drugs and you became your own father and learned how to heal yourself. But others of you are in jail right now and on drugs because your father spared the rod and thus he spoiled the child, you. You follow that? We are right now under his rod. We are suffering people. The world does not seem to care about us. We don't see the future. All we can see in front of us is suffering and agony and pain. That's the rod, but it's followed by the staff of guidance. Whenever a people is in need of guidance, Allah says in the Holy Quran, I do not help a people until they set out to help themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When y'all make up your minds, y'all are tired of this mess the devil is inflicting upon y'all. As a nation of people, you want to get together and start to build and do something for yourself, like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, then you will find the blessings of Allah with you. As long as you're sitting around waiting for welfare and you turn the word backwards, it comes out to be farewell. As long as you're sitting around waiting for that, waiting for the man to give you Blue Cross and Medicaid and WIC and Social Security and Social Services and Equal Rights and Civil Rights, what is wrong with you? No man can't give you none of those things. Those are things you take by your right to have them. And if you don't have the power to take them, you're not entitled to them. And if they give them to you, you won't be able to keep them because you can't defend it. But they gave you a bunch of rights back in Dr. Martin Luther King's time, and they took them back, and nobody can't do nothing about it. Huh? The rod, the staff, who comfort you. What's the last one? He what? Thou prepares the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Here we are in the midst of the enemies, and the truth is coming in to set us free. The Lord is preparing a table spread before us because our cup runneth over. Right? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we are to dwell in the house, in the house, in the house, not in my house or your house. We are to dwell like the children of Israel in the tabernacle, in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Forever. That's our salvation. Like Israel was scattered, all the tribes were scattered. I'm looking at a room of the tribes scattered. Some of y'all was influenced by the Jehovah Witness. Some of y'all was influenced by Five Percenters. Some of y'all influenced by Seven Day Adventists. Some of y'all influenced by Pentecostals. Some of y'all Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, and some of y'all are just insane. The tribe has been scattered like it was in the time of Joshua when they first got into the Promised Land. The land of Canaan. And they went up under the Canaanite people and they oppressed them and they abused them. And then the day came for y'all to get out of here like they got out of Israel. It tells you that right in Genesis chapter 15. So now it's time to get out of here. But you've got to come together and form the tabernacle of the Most High. And just like in the time of the walls of Jericho, we've got to learn to sing in perfect harmony. Dr. Martin Luther King had it, but they didn't let him hold it. He said, sing, we shall overcome, we shall overcome. He was trying to get the walls of Jericho to fall by saying, we shall overcome. The white man heard it. He saw a million people engaged upon Washington Monument and sing it and saw the effect that it had. And he said, kill that man. I don't care whether what he's saying is black Muslim or black panther or young lord or save the world or integration. Kill that nigga. That might be Moses to them. You follow that? And they killed him. And y'all stopped overcoming because y'all stop singing together. Just like the children of Israel, we got to come together under one roof. We got to reorganize ourselves. We got to re-identify with ourselves. 
It's going to be difficult because we've been spoiled, like the book of Revelation chapter 18 says, we've been spoiled by the delicacies of this harlot. We've learned to live deliciously in her. But now we got to learn to sacrifice for our nation and start to build the Nubian nation outwardly and form the tabernacle of the Most High and set up the ark of the tabernacle and the very angels that Moses was able to bring down in Exodus 15 by setting up the ark of the tabernacle that communicated with them. It says in the Revelation, God says, I will be with you and you shall be my people. Don't mean he'll walk down here on the floor with you. It means he will, inherit, he will come into the tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, the same way he did with Israel. And no nation under the sun will be able to defeat you if you just come together in his name. Live for other and by each other in his name. Let him have the staff and follow. If I, you understand what I'm saying? That's all he's asking of you. And all you want to do is go to the tree and keep eating the forbidden fruit. He keeps saying, stop eating the forbidden fruit and I'll save you. You go right to the tree and eat it. He says, stop, you eat it. Every time he introduces a new drug, we take it. He's still eating the forbidden fruit. You know what I mean? It's not a very complicated thing. We just got to get together and, and shuck all the garbage that the devil and taught us and get familiar with our own again. Get in tune with ourselves. That's all. And when we make that one step towards the loss of Allah, he's going to make ten steps towards us. And the devil cannot stand against that. You have been listening to the unshakable guidance and teachings of Asaid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi, the undisputed man of our time. No one has allowed themselves to be questioned with such a variety of questions, only to fulfill the eager minds of many in search of the truth. Alimamisa is the author of the most dynamic books in history, dealing with the truth, not theory, philosophies, or fairy tales. Just simple truth to all your questions, no matter what topic. How did Jonah survive three days and three nights in the belly of the whale? Does the Creator really sit on the throne? What and where is hell? Are angels extraterrestrial beings? Finally, the time has come for the whole truth to be heard. The Nubian Islamic Hebrew Mission would like to invite you to write or send questions to True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. The public is invited to newcomers class held every Sunday, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Nubian Islamic Hebrew Mission, 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. People interested in purchasing these pamphlets of peace can visit our bookstore, Original Tent of Kedar, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Or purchase them from any of our brothers dressed in white, representing the Nubian Islamic Hebrew mission throughout your city. Again, the address for letters and questions is True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Assalamu alaikum. And right knowledge is reaching people all over the world. The Supreme Grandmaster, Naya Malachi Zadakion L, is truly setting the record straight. Now listen to these facts, the voice of truth in these last days and times. The Nawakian Nation of Moors brings you the man of the hour. But that's not the 
Don't worry. Don't produce it there. Protein, right? You need to protein in the body. And that's the, that's the strength of the whole body. So, speaking from that standpoint of view, all of it's going to be You know what I'm saying? Well, what standpoint of men's going to be Physically? Isn't that a baby? Just imagine, first of all, before you even go, just imagine basketball coming out. The thought of that just makes you go. And then doing that, those times smiling. Those times touching your eyes out. But they do it. They lay there. They suffer. They scream. They swirl. They scream. They type. They all. So, you got one thing about our 
position as the mother of the universe. Don't punk under that macho crap. Because it didn't work for 25,000 years. It didn't. We messed it up. So now let's let the woman do something. They don't have a place as a mother. A mother knows how to take care of her children. Ain't a man in here that can do without a woman. And before you got the woman that you lean head to head to right there, you had another woman who you leaned on called your mother. Right? What man did not love a woman from the day they were born? Is there any man that didn't love their I was down to talk to my doctor about Rebelsis. Ask your healthcare provider about Rebelsis today. Their mother? Mess 
bakınca ilahi Muhammed. Campo, Bisto Campo. Ya Allah'ın ki kovan Marcus Moses. David. Halasalasi, the great lion of Judah, the emperor, the emperor. That was a joke, that was a mistake. You hear me? Who? Mandela. Imagine what his wife went through. I think, brothers, if you look at the world and how long we've been doing it and how poor of a job we've been doing, if we start letting the woman do it, then there'll be a change. Terminate your termites.
people don't even know what's going on. The secular society are moving, and they are, they are amazed at you. They're trying to figure out how you do all this. Because everything we told them to expect is happening. That alignment that you see is why they're telling you tomorrow is going to be sunny, and when you get up, it's raining. Because they have nowhere knowing. It's why all of those poor innocent skiers, about a thousand, died this year. Did you know that? Because of ice and avalanches, because the news reporters could not properly forecast. They went up there and people got covered, towns of people. That's why right now Boston is catching hell, high peak. Seattle is catching hell, high peak. And you know what happens after high freezes at the wrong part of temperature? They call them cracks in the earth star, shift star. So you can expect another earthquake in California or along the Andrea Fault again. You know what happens also? They're talking about the price of milk dropping. Now why would the price of milk drop if cows got a disease? Think about it now. Why would the price of milk drop if cows have a disease? Also, the doctors have proved that milk does not help the bones. They grew. This is ugly, too. You got this on film, too. They grew a nose on a man's forehead. You saw it? Oh, I thought I was going to go out that alone. Because <laughs> I know I'll be there to break it. I'm not the greatest. I'll be there to do anything. It sucks. I'm saying, they have the film. They grew a man's nose up here because this fool went out and froze his nose off. He came back, his nose was black. It was froze. They had to grow it. They grew it on his forehead. They moved it down. <laughs> Hello. Get back. But what does that say to us? It says that our doctrine that we want to grow our own limbs is true. And as crazy as it sounds when I told y'all, preloading is a sign that we used to grow our own limbs. It makes it crazy. Now, is it all right that he said? Is it all right now that he's talking about the alignment of the planets? Is it all right now that he wants... Let me... I wish I had a black one. I would show y'all the reason why I never bothered with... um. Kate, what's it called? Um, the Millennium Bug? Why, oh, okay. I will show you how simple the mistake is. It's simple as heck. Right? And <laughs> I'll try to explain it. It's going to be difficult. But I'll try to, it's going to be difficult to understand it without a blackboard. I'm going to try, okay? You have to use your imagination. You're going to see how simple the mistake is and why they can't rectify it. And that's the funny part about it. There it is. Right? I was watching to see how. Now, you remember in uh, Mammoth Planet, how I spoke about Vaughn Newman being assigned to build a computer in 1940. He wasn't able to do it. It took three years. They needed Tesla, um, the guy from Florida who was a phone castle, the Lee Scouting. They, they put together the best minds they could. I think somebody fell out on you. We got to act like, we got to act like they didn't lose any points. But they put the best minds together to build this computer. And when they did this computer, it was the size of a whole room. Right? All right, now look at this here. This is very, this ain't the real deal. But of course, 
like everything else, we find out what Pops is telling the truth. Especially <laughs> <laughs> y'all in there, especially y'all are saying that nigga crazy. <laughs> He's a spoil. The original computers only had four places to work with. If you go back and remember your original calculators, the screen only had, came up about that big. And it was green. Got me? All right. These are considered windows. Now, behind these windows, you got this. A one, a zero, a one, and those are the figures that could fall within that framework. And then those are multiplications of binary math by which they program computers. Do you understand what I mean? All right. Now, watch what happens. When they have to create a number in this here screen. I'm not saying they don't have them this long now. I'm saying the, rich, the original configuration of the computer back in 1943 only had four digits it can work with. You got that? And they shape the numbers inside these boxes. Pick a number. Eight. Eight would have to be here, 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 and there. You understand that? Sometimes it would break in the middle like this. Have a small break in the corner, something, you know. You ever see that inside of a computer? What do you call it? Analog numbers, thank you. So now, when you only have four of these boxes, you're allowed to go from, you can go to 1999. Because the number one can only come up on this side. Because if it comes up on this side, it interferes with the next number. You with me? So if this number was, let's say, 9, that would be 9. You got it? See that? If the 1 was over here, what would happen? You wouldn't be able to tell us the 9 on 8. You got it. So now, so number 1 can either fit here or there. So now, how do you write two thousand when if you squeeze these together, you lose all these digits, and this will become this? Because you need the one over here, and then you can put the nine there, and you can put the nine there, and the nine there. So you can get one nine nine nine. But if you go for two, you got that? Two, what happens over here? Okay. Two, two, what happens over here? This number one can't go on this end, it have to go here. Because you'd be occupying the same space. Because their computers can't move the one without altering the first two numbers. It makes it impossible for the computers, so they'll go back, all the way back around to 191999. Nine, nine, nine. You follow what I'm saying? Or oh, they can go to 1000, but they can't do 2 without this changing into a 6, which will give them in the year 2000 the year. 6,000. Mathematical. 
and that would confuse the computer, you follow? Jam the system, and the mark of the beast would be confirmed. You see, they get the year 2000 by calculating from the Gregorian calendar that they created of Jesus. Jesus being 2000 years ago, we're 1,999 years from that, from the year 2000. We add one more year, you get 2,000. But if Jesus was back 4,000 years ago, which was their Jesus canon, when you bring it up, it will come down to 4,000 and 2,000, which would be, and that will jam the computers. The computers were not designed to create that. Nowadays, they have these things way out like this, and they got figures like that, but the computers don't have the configuration. Inside them, binary figures only do four digits. It's either zero, one, zero, one, or zero, or one, 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 zero, or it can only do four figures. You know what I'm saying? It can't even do one, 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 one without throwing the computer off. Is that illusion? With that in mind, right? It's still simple. They just don't want to tell anybody. I just want to see how long they're going to play the game. With that in mind, they're up against some very serious problems. Either they have to get back inside their computers and reprogram the computers, set up a whole new system. You follow that? That means that they have to hire people to sit down by hand, manually, and sit in and just do all the new bank cards with everybody's name. This is what they're saying will cost billions of dollars. Now, if you don't believe me, I'm going to tell you, go check it out. You'll find out that any bank or any large corporation is trying to so-called prepare for this event is doing no more than hiring manual laborers to go inside and sit down and retype all their cards to give them with a new computer that now does have the ability to use eight figures, move from four screens to eight. And that's why now if you look at some of your calculators and ad machines, you see eight screens. They're long, they're all the way across like this. But that does not protect them against what they have been doing since 1940. That's all the things that we live by, the navigation, the air, everything that we've been following comes to four digits. They never even considered the world getting to the year 2000. They was making the computer specifically to alter matter so that they can use Einstein's formula. And they couldn't use this formula because people couldn't do the equation 9 to the ninth power of 9. It's a mathematical equation that becomes infinite because if any individual was to sit down and figure it out, if they wrote one number per second, they still would never be able to finish come right out the answer. It's like when you write down pi, 3.14. That's a round off figure. You start adding all the figures to pi, pi goes up to about a thousand digits. But they, they, they keep breaking into percentages of itself. But it's like, and so when you get uh, MC square, energy times mass speed of light, Einstein's so-called <laughs> theory, which became a fact relatively, it became relevant really, Right? You're coming up with formulas that no man could do in his head. So they had to create a superman 
end. And they called him Hal. That's right. They called him Hal because the numbers in the computer are Arabic numbers. And the word Hal in Arabic means can you or did you or do you. You follow what I'm saying? In the year, in the movie, oh yeah, in the movie 2001, Space, the computer's name was Hal. When you look at the letters Hal, everybody remembers, what's the, you get the word I, B, M. You understand that? That's the problem. Forget about uh, Intel. All right, guys. If you've been injured in a car accident, you have to check this out. So I just got this check from my attorney for $130,000. I'm going to go cash this immediately after this video, but I didn't even think I was going to qualify for anything. There wasn't a lot of damage to my car. I didn't think I was going to get anything for my injuries. And the way this works, and I put a link to this, there's this app. If you click beneath this video, there's a link to this app. But the way it works is you fill out some information about your injuries and your, and your car accident. And immediately after you fill this out, it gives you an exact quote of how much money you can make for your case. And also it connects you with the best attorney in the area who's going to be able to get you this money. So guys, if you've been injured and you want to get compensated for your injuries, you have to check this out. Click the link beneath this video. Uh, if you want checks like 130000 like I just got, you have to do this. So click the link in this video, and it'll bring you over to this short 15-second quiz. All the new names they got, the original computer that's in Brussels, 